Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, friends. You're now listening to the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I and just I'm said it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look sure it up. Because it's Hulk sure Hogan. Is. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. Maybe he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. Bishop and Friends. Bo will be back Thursday. Until then, it's uh, some Oops All Friends editions of the program. Chops and Eric Reeser with you today. Ryan Baker running the board behind the glass. Break glass in case of emergency. We'll hit him up a few times throughout the show, especially on the CBJ stuff. One of our most loyal CBJ fans here at the station. Another thing we're loyal to, guys who have been at the station. I worked very closely with somebody who got some really nice big news yesterday. Reese, you you worked with them a little bit, you know, in and out when he was still here. And he used to be on... Right at this time on this program when it was Bishop and Laurinaitis. So congratulations to James Laurinaitis Threes, former co-host here. He has been elevated from a graduate assistant position where he was essentially coaching the linebackers. Grad assistant. Yes, and <laughs> that's true. And now he is the linebackers coach at Ohio State, much deserved. And Ohio State's defense ranked highly in all the important categories last year is the linebackers were basically the, you know, the understanding was that they were under his tutelage out there. And now he has the official job, which means he can get out on the recruiting trail and he takes that 10th assistant which job. Wasn't he? he? Well, he had done it recently because once you have an opening, you can sort of, place somebody in it you can yeah. always have 10 guys going out so that's why you've maybe seen james laurinaitis on twitter taking pictures with recruits in their living room shaking hands kissing babies talking to parents all that kind of stuff and uh, after they had parted ways with parker fleming and Corey dennis there was an extra spot open after they added the offensive coordinator position twice <laughs> in the offseason but so james kind of got a test trial run of what it's like to actually be out on the road I think that aspect he's going to kill. Yeah, as, as if he needed it. And th- this is well-deserved for James. And it starts in ascension, right? You can go from grad assistant to linebackers coach, and then in the future defensive coordinator, and kind of see where things take you after that. But the resume, I mean, we could do three hours on his resume and why it's the perfect fit yeah, for I mean, this job, for that university, for that coaching staff, to have a guy that, that gives as much as he does that cares as much as he does for that program when look you have a lot of guys there that aren't buckeyes they are because they are employed by the university but to have a guy who's worn the uniform that's gone through every single thing that ohio state players go through from freshman year to their senior year is as 
big of a thing as you can have, you know, especially on that defensive side of the ball, where for years we talked about Ohio State needing to return to a silver caliber bullet of defense. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's any coincidence that when they had their best defensive year, he was part of that staff. Yes, I think Jim Knowles obviously deserves a ton of credit for that, but it is great to have somebody who knows what a silver bullet defense is on the coaching staff after right before Jim Knowles, there was that drop off that you're talking about. Plus, really importantly, James Laurinaitis has four pairs of gold pants. And he played in all four of them. Remember, he had to come in as a freshman as Bobby Carpenter, who just left the seat you're sitting in, and got injured in that game. And he came in and he got to win all four of those games, came back for his senior year. Look, there's only 32 all-time leading tacklers for a franchise in the NFL. He's one of them. He's the all-time leading tacker for the St. Louis Rams for his career, but they are now the Los Angeles Rams, but still same He's got more tackles than that bum Aaron Donald. <laughs> James Laurinaitis is 10 times the player Aaron Donald is. There it is. That's the promo. <laughs> That's what we'll get. No hyperbole here, but yeah, you're right. I think that with him being elevated to that one, the recruiting trail is going to be something that, that he is going to do such a good job on because I've met him. I know him personally. He's a very personable guy. He's a fun guy. He's a nice guy. But he also, you can tell, and he would do this sometimes on the show, it would just click. He would just switch over into linebacker mode, and it was like hearing somebody switch into a different language that they knew. And it was sort of like a party trick because it would go over our heads when he'd be like, blah, blah. you know, it's the spider two Y banana type stuff that, you know, you joke about with John Gruden, but that's what he could do. So I, I did not get the sense that he ever let his acumen for understanding football dip in between being a player and being a coach with whatever he was doing, commentating games and, well, and being he knows on this the show. Big Ten so well, yes. having spent many a Saturdays in Piscataway, New Jersey, <laughs> the birthplace of college football. The truest Big Ten program there is. And this Rutgers. does feel like with the so that's three that's three guys hired officially onto this Ohio State coaching staff. It is finalized. It factors to me he would probably take special teams coaching responsibilities with Matt Gurrieri. Um, I don't think anything's been said about James' role specific in that yet, on that. Yeah. But I know when Ryan Day spoke uh, last week for the National Signing Day, he said that Gurrieri is going to take those responsibilities. And we kind of read that to be, okay, he's going to be de facto. And then him and James likely can tag team on that. Nothing's been made official in that realm yet, but that's kind of the uh, impression that I got. And we'll talk more about the other coaching moves that Ohio State made yesterday. No new hires, but some contract extensions and everything's made official. Ten assistants now decided for the 2024 season. I guess unless another head coach <laughs> job opens up. That's another thing we're going to talk about. All the people j- jumping jobs at the, seemingly we think that the hiring cycle is over, but I guess it never really ends. Just like the transfer portal never really closes in college football. We'll get into that a little bit in the 10 o'clock hour today. We are also going to be speaking to Aaron Portsline. Jackets made a big move yesterday, firing GM Yarmo Kekalainen. And we've also got Ben Bolch coming on in the 11 o'clock hour. He writes for the LA Times, so he has some insight on Chip Kelly and what's he like to cover him as he's been covering him the last few years out there in Los Angeles. But real quick here, we got to see some greatness. We, we got to see some greatness on Sunday with Patrick Mahomes and everything he's accomplishing and all the accolades and everything. And we've talked about that, like how we are drawn to greatness in sports. That's one of the reasons that we like sports so much to see people who can do it at the top of the game and be the best. And Caitlin Clark is starting to get into that pantheon of best not even just women's college basketball player, but college basketball player in general. She, college athlete. Yes. All time. Like she's entering that conversation. She passed Kelsey Plum last night for the it's it, 
it's a little weird because there are different factions of college basketball that have been around for years and there's there's little things but like if you go very specifically to NCAA D1 women's college basketball all-time leading scorer she passed Kelsey Plum yesterday she only needed eight points to do so she now has 3,569 career points as I said there are some weird things in here because she still has some more milestones that she could reach in the scoring record department. The AIAW large school women's record set just before the NCAA era by Kansas's Lynette Woodard from 1977 to 1981. So it wasn't too long ago that women's college basketball was not an NCAA sport. I mean, that's only 40 years ago or so, 45 that one's 3,649, and then the men's record for the NCAA is 3,667 by Pete Maravich, the pistol, from 67 to 70, and this was before freshmen had college eligibility, so he only had those three years, Caitlin Clark, in her fourth year, but she's only 100-ish points from both of those. She's getting them. Yeah, she's got four regular season games left, whatever she does in the Big Ten tournament, and whatever she does in the women's tournament, which... I would be very hard-pressed to not expect at least three games. A Sweet 16 run seems like a lock for a team like Iowa, especially the women's tournament is opening up a little bit. It's not all four one seeds meet in the final four every year, but it's usually one, two, and three seeds meet in the final four. It's still those early rounds, those those lower seeds don't stand much of a chance. So she will have that, and yeah, she has four more games remaining on this year. But last night's game, it's the way she did it. She only needed eight points. She goes out there. She They win the opening tip-off. She goes right to the basket, gets a two. They go back down the floor again. She gets a three. And then it's like, okay, she's only three points away. And we're a minute into the game, she was setting it up to get that eight points. That's what it looked like to me. She wanted to get the eight points, get it out of the way, and then they could focus on the rest of the game. And she comes and she does one of her signatures. It wasn't quite midcourt logo, but it was the sponsored logo on the left side. And she it was just about it. damn near a logo three. It was for the record to do that. Then she makes every other basket. It feels like in the first quarter and she ends the first quarter with 23 points. So people were starting to look into it. Okay. So she passes the all time scoring record. What is the single game scoring record? Because 23 would put you on pace for 92 points. And people are looking it up. It was 61. She did not quite get there, but she did reach 49 points, which is a new career high for her, which is still a pretty cool thing. But the way the uh, the crowd reacted to everything, people are totally bought into this. They were in like the thousands to get in price last night. Uh, to to, Iowa and Michigan. To Carver Hawkeye Arena on a Thursday night. Scott Docterman, friend of the program, he uh, covers iowa football but iowa sports in general this is the biggest iowa athletic story ever a positive one (laughs) brian ferentz has taken up a lot of headlines over the last few years but yes this one like everybody is so all in on this the crowd hit 116 decibels at caitlin clark's three-pointer tying for the second loudest that scott Docterman has ever recorded in the arena um and uh the only one louder her three versus Indiana. The celebration cheer was 115 decibels, so just short of it, but just a celebration when they finally took the time out. And Brad Crawford, another friend of the program, he uh, pointed out that an F-22 Raptor hits upwards of 140 decibels on the sound meter. So getting not quite to that range, but you're talking about jet airplane type excitement for Caitlin Clark. And you mentioned like biggest story for Iowa. So I've also been able to, I've still got a lot of family in Iowa and there are, I have two 
first cousins once removed. So my cousin's uh, kids, they still live in Iowa. They go to a lot of these games and they, they have pictures and they actually went with their grandparents last night. It was my aunt and uncle and they had a picture there, but I see them at these games all the time. And it's really cool to, to, have that connection back home and see this and then to go to the Ohio State game and I heard back from some family members when I had posted some pictures of, of me being at that game it, it to me personally yeah it's also a, a huge story and my parents have been super excited because they're both graduates of the University of Iowa and then it's all set up for an awesome this is for people here too this doesn't just include Iowa for an awesome end of the regular season because it is a crash course right now, collision course for Ohio State and Iowa to play their second game of the season. Last game of the regular season, last home game of Caitlin Clark's career. That's coming up on March 3rd. And so the uh, Hawkeyes have, what's it, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota before that game with the Buckeyes who have a one-game lead on the Hawkeyes, on the Hoosiers for the top spot in the Big Ten. And so you could be looking at a regular season championship on the line mm-hmm. at at Iowa on March 3rd. Um, it was interesting because Sunday's game where they had talked that maybe she would be going for it then against Nebraska. That game was at Nebraska. And I, because I enjoy chaos, theorized that, well, no, she's going to purposely not get it because it's in Nebraska because it's on Super Bowl Sunday. She's going to wait until the game that they're back in Iowa City, that they're playing in front of Iowa fans. They're playing on a night that eh, doesn't have a whole lot of sports going on. That's when she would get the record. I was kidding when I said that. <laughs> There, hey, there's at least enough evidence of what actually happened to make, hey, there's a chance that conspiracy is true because she only needed that eight points going into the fourth quarter against Nebraska. Nebraska comes back, beats them, and Caitlin Clark. Wow, foot off the gas, huh? Caitlin Clark, obviously capable of scoring eight points in a quarter, Whenever doesn't score any there. To. Like, yeah. The idea that she's going a quarter without scoring. <laughs> no, that does not happen very so often. Ridiculous. So. Hey, I buy into the conspiracy a, a little bit, but it it made for a really special night out there, and it was uh it was a game that we got to see on the Peacock. Wanna see you, Peacock? Which I'm fine with. That's I think it's actually opened up me to watching more Big Ten basketball games because normally when I click on Peacock, there's another Big Ten game either before it or after it for the game I'm going, and I've seen more games because of that. So I know people have lamented the idea of using the apps, but I think there are some positives to it as well and one of them being we've had more exposure to watch the the greatness of this season from Caitlin Clark and I'm very excited for a possible Big Ten regular season title on the line game between Ohio State and Iowa coming up here in the first week of March coming up on this show threes wasn't the only coaching news Buckeyes have finalized the staff for 2024 Bishop and Friends on the fan Buckeyes, Jackets, Crew, and Panama Dead yelling about something being too hot. I don't understand it either. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Producers. Co-hosts. Friends. Some of those things are true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Bishop and Friends, we're sponsored by Awaken 180. Fast, sustainable weight loss without medications. The solution for weight loss. Awaken 180 weight loss. I know that the weather people know more than me, but 
I've not looked outside. I really haven't looked out the window since I got here earlier this morning. I don't believe it. I don't believe it's going to snow today. That's that's my that's my truth. <laughs> I'm going to sit there and say right. it doesn't snow. That's fine. It's probably like two snow. o'clock. We're going to get something. Mm. I don't round, round about two. I thought I was going to get through the whole winter without having to shovel again. This is one of my three things today. Yeah. Don't do it now. We do that at eleven forty-eight. I hope. I hope the weather people are right. I do like snow. I, I'll, I'll say that. I've, I, huh? I feel like we kind of got out of it, so I was ready to be done with it. But I don't mind snow too much. We do have a, a a family member visiting us this weekend, so that's the only thing that's making me nervous about the weather. I guess we didn't do three things yesterday because JD had to talk forever. So we have extra. So we, we, have, have, more, we have extra. Three we have six things six each things. of us. <laughs> you. So you. We. You two want snow. This what I want is if like, it's just snows, be done with this. I don't want this. What do you mean done with it? We haven't had it. It's been sixty degrees in February. No, 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 no. I'm talking about be done with winter. With, there was no winter this the, year. The rodents saw the, didn't see the shadows. Get an early spring. Be that now. I I don't want like spitty snow. I want it to snow like where we can go have fun in it or make money with. Have it. Have fun I want in a it. Lot we are grown. We're grown adults. What kind of fun are we having in the snow outside of shoveling it? I like a nice coverage of snow. It's beautiful. It's fun until we break our hips. <laughs> Plus here it gets it gets warm enough. It'll probably be fifty degrees next week because that's what right. always happens. No, and then it'll 60. all go away. Give it to 60 me. Sixty. Yeah, that's actually on the forecast. Me, sixty and sixty-one. Let's go. So see, that's why snow is an okay thing here yep. in this because we're not going to be in the Minnesota situation where you have to shovel it and then it's going to stick around for another three weeks and it's never going to all melt. It's all going to be gone next week anyway. So, so I'll you take saw some snow. The snowstorm that hit the East Coast earlier this week. Saw images from that. Yeah. Did any of that look appealing to you? Like, I want that in Columbus. Well, that was supposed to hit us, and then it just it it somehow just went right around and we us. we are, I think, should be thankful for it. No, I don't want, like, a full-on blizzard, but I'll take two, three inches of snow, and get, nope. the, get the shovel out, take not, care of that. Do not want. I love snow. I'm not going to lie. I love it. Yeah. Well, look at this. This, okay. this is the hockey hat over here. Great. He likes the cold. Well, Tyvis and I had a snowball fight last time it snowed. Who so. won? I don't know. The, the, I think I did because the both fat, won. The picture, the picture of the fat head that I threw the snow at had a lot of snow <laughs> on it. So <laughs> that fat head behind there, I think I had Tyvis take it from the Big Ten Network. So when he's doing his Big Ten okay. uh, Saturday tailgate show, they would have fat heads, and I tried to get him to steal a Joshua Perry fat head, and we would just collect them here in the studio. But that thing is beat to hell. Oh, you because you're seen, throwing snowballs at it. It could be. <laughs> got, got we climbed a tree out. last week. It was awesome. <laughs> so many activities. Yeah, it snows. Ryan Baker just goes out there and has fun in his you winter wonderland. Weekend at Bernie's with the Tyvis Fathead out there in my shorts. As we talked about off the top of the show, James Laurinaitis threes used to be on this show. He is now officially the linebackers coach at Ohio State. Loses the GA title, becomes an on-field assistant, which, which means he can go out on the recruiting trail and do all that. Something he's been doing over the last couple of months, but now it is officially signs a two-year contract. What else did Ohio State announce yesterday? Because Ryan Day wanted everything finalized when they made these announcements. So Tim Walton has been promoted to assistant head coach slash secondary and cornerbacks coach, and he has received a two-year contract extension through the 2026 season defensive coordinator jim knowles received a two-year contract extension through the 2026 season associate head coach slash defensive line coach larry johnson has a new two-year contract so his was up so this new two-year contract just goes through 2025 he's probably the most interesting what's going on there and then also tight ends coach keenan bailey has earned a one-year contract extension through the 2025 season and tony johnson who is actually the son of larry johnson was a wide receiver at penn state back in the day he has joined the staff as a senior analyst as well um what the first thing 
again, this is me, and I get hung up on the semantics of things. What does associate head coach mean? What does us they so there's two there's an associate head coach title for Larry Johnson. There's an assistant head coach title for Tim Walton. I know the real answer is they give them titles to justify raises. That's what I, I there's no other way around it because what changes about their job when they get these head coaching assistant or associate titles? I don't think very well, much. I read it as Tim Walton, assistant head coach. He assists the head coach. Larry Johnson just associates with the head coach. <laughs> so like he's just around. It's like, it's like the office yeah. associate to the or assistant to the head coach. It's just where you have to be and when you have to be there is, I think, different between assistant and associate. And I also wonder what James's compensation is going to be, because as a graduate assistant, I'm assuming they just paid him in credits to his buck id yeah i don't know what the whole thing with graduate like how payment for graduate assistance they have to be enrolled because they have to be technically be like class. in graduate school like what class was he taking do we think i really was hope, he interested like agriculture i don't understand why he didn't just Farming? take bob's class i think that would have been hilarious if bobby carpenter showed up to to do his lecture james or whatever and james, james right there in the front row got his got his laptop out or his notebook out were you a notebook or laptop note taker i was uh notes up until i got a laptop that i could take that i trusted enough to take with me i was the same thing i had a big laptop so yeah. it wasn't something that i wanted to lug around but then i got like uh i got a microsoft surface that had like it was a lightweight tablet that had the keyboard attached and i switched to that uh james i would i would guess is a notebook note taker he used to in like the breaks of the show work on his preparation for calling big 10 games oh, he wouldn't just do doodles no, he would, and he was always, he had the big boards that he that he would get made up and printed out at like a print shop, and then he would do his hand notes on it. So that's what I would guess from him, and now he's going to be doing that full-time as the linebacker coach. Larry Johnson's the most interesting one, though, with all of the news yesterday, because he gets a two-year contract extension, which means next year and the 2025 season, every year there's rumors or possibilities that he's going to retire because of his age. And that makes sense. He's accomplished pretty much everything he can as a defensive line coach at this point. On top of that, it does feel like they do need to give him a certain amount of contract because he has definitely been somebody who has been negatively recruited over the years. Oh, that happens every year, right? Because the idea of him, Oh, he could retire at any moment. And so they, they give him this, but this one to me, I'm not, this isn't any scores or anything, but it ha- like it feels like it has to be that now they are in the succession plan for Larry Johnson. That would be my guess, but who knows? Maybe two years goes up and he says, hey, I still want to coach. Those feel like with coaches, you're kind of always in succession planning. You always have to have an idea. Of, well, especially, I mean, the way coaches hop around now, you never right. know when you if could be looking for a new in one. In case of emergency, here's what we do. And you have that plan either explicit or implicit. It's funny that you guys talk about the negative recruiting against Larry Johnson and James is even uh, some people were talking about James. Some people were doing that against him saying he was just a graduate assistant. He could leave. But I literally was just reading uh, something. I think it was from one of the 24 seven guys that said Amaris Williams, who was a big time D line recruit that went to Auburn. I believe he went to Auburn, said that Auburn Use that tactic, right. saying Larry Johnson would be gone trying to get him to come to Auburn. Speaking of the recruiting, I think uh, James is going to crush it. I mean, we already saw that one of the first things he did when he came over from being a GA at Notre Dame to a, just a GA at Ohio State, they signed four-star 2024 linebacker Peyton Pierce, who was very much trending towards the Irish but had a close relationship with James, so he immediately brought that one over. I think there is a good chance that he can become a Brian Hartline-esque type recruiter on the defensive side of the ball, which got better this year in the 2024 class. Cause remember in the 2023 class, 
it was a very good class, but it was so top loaded with offensive players that it almost got buried that there weren't that many great defensive lands in it, at least not as far as the rankings go. Obviously, players can develop and become great, but I think the the 2024 class, Jim Knowles and James Laurinaitis can kind of lead that way, and I think that we are going to to see the recruiting get back up to the caliber that we expect on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think for James, there's an authenticity and there's a legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Right, There's not only a guy who did it at the highest level in Columbus, but also did it at the highest level in the NFL, and so you talk similar to Brian Hartline, like those guys can go into any room and say, if you would like to get to a certain level, whether it be the pinnacle of college athletics or the pinnacle of your prof- of a professional athletics, they are guys that know the path to get there. Up next, the Blue Jackets also made a move Thursday. Uh, Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. An ex-jock and a very puffy, smooth-faced man. These are the first voices you should hear. Morning Juice. Your wake-up service. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Us. What's up? What's up, man? you? We'll get to the CBJ in a second. One last thing on the Ohio State coaching staff, as we sort of talked about off the top of the show. There's no official special teams coordinator, and there's definitely no, but they've not announced who even is doing that in addition to what they are officially, but there will not be a just special teams coordinator as there was the last few years under Parker Fleming. You mentioned uh, Matt Guerrero. He has experience with special teams. He's coming over to coach the safeties, but obviously kind of shares that defensive backfield with Tim Walton. Keenan Bailey has some special teams experience even here at Ohio State and then yeah maybe James could be involved in that I, but it does and I think Ryan Day wants to be more involved he has stated as such it's going to be kind of piecemealed together which I'm okay with because there was really no dividends paid by having a dedicated special teams coordinator <laughs> the last few years so try this one out because I can't really foresee it being worse yeah special teams by committee does make sense it's what most schools do given that right when you had a designated special teams coordinator it wasn't great yeah most schools will give special i should say they'll give special teams coordinator to somebody but they will also be a position coach so we'll see if anybody actually gets the official title but i think yeah it's just going to be spread out amongst the coaching staff people who know what they're doing with that the third unit of a football team Blue Jackets fired Yarmo Kekalainen on Thursday. It was announced early into our show yesterday. And by the end of our show, there was already a press conference going on with John Davidson, who is now the acting GM for the Blue Jackets. And he is also the president of hockey operations for the uh, for the Blue Jackets. Did I, I, I believe that's the title. It's But now he is also acting GM. So first up, I, I wanted to... Uh, get to the like the search for because I think that's the biggest question is okay well what's going to happen at GM for the Blue Jacket so here is John Davidson on the search for a new GM we have no set timetable for hiring a new general manager other than it will be when we know we have found the right person for the job our intent at this time is to focus on candidates outside the organization this is a critically important decision Mike Priest and I will oversee this process with a final decision made by the two of us along with our ownership 
JD also saying that they are going to conduct an exhaustive search for the next GM. I've already got a lot of meetings set up, some on the road, because we're going away today for a week. Some when I get back, we're going to go through everything from A to Z. And for me right now to say, yeah, I'm going to change this and that and this and that, I don't think it's fair for me to to say that right now, but it's certainly up to me to try to evaluate that. And if there's changes needed, I'll make them. Aaron Portsline of The Athletic will join us to discuss more about the future for the CBJ, and I'm sure he'll have some some names that could be a possibility, especially if J.D. already has some meetings that he, he wants to set up, mentions that he's going to have some of those meetings possibly on the road. The Blue Jackets, in the middle of a road trip, they were at Ottawa on Tuesday night, and then it's another West Coast one. It's not the Western Canada one. It's the California one. They take on San Jose tomorrow night. That is a 10-30 puck drop. Fan will have pregame coverage starting at 10 o'clock. Man, those those late games. At least this one starts on a weekend, but I think there's there's a Tuesday and Wednesday, and they're both like a 10-30 and a 10 or a yeah, 9-30. Yeah, it's what happens. So they're in L.A. against the Kings Next Tuesday at 10.30, and then they're in Anaheim against the Ducks Wednesday at 10. So we'll talk to Jody Shelley before both of those contests. But it was, I don't know if interesting is the right word yesterday, hearing from John Davidson, because it feels like dis- the dismissal of Yarmo Kekalainen, I believe, was the right move to make. And uh, I-, I thought it was it should have been done. Uh, uh, how- the house should have been cleaned after the Babcock thing blew up in their faces. Like, everybody told them it would. I think that was for me the last straw in this front office needs it needs to be cleaned because there can't be a a a, a an error of this magnitude uh, and then the continue off of that to try to salvage this it's like no 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 you, the the same person responsible for building the, like rebuilding the house can't be the ones that blew it up in the first place like that that can't be the case and then with everything that was said yesterday so we had what like 25 30 minutes of mm-hmm. JD talking surprise injection by mike priest who i didn't think at the time knew he was even going to be speaking it was like the kid in class like didn't know the teacher was going to call on them well i just thought it was funny because they ask about ownership and being hands off and then jd goes well i think mike priest that's a better question for this guy but it's like he's not the owner either (laughs) because i know jackets you know the the reporters on the jackets beat have been covering this team since its inception know who mike priest is he's the president of the team but the jackets fan like the casual fan you could, he could walk by you on the street yeah, or he, well, you we could say we his only, name like, who's that? We were only hearing it and I even got like, because the way they did that, I was like, oh wait, was that McConnell talking? No, it was Priest talking about McConnell and the McConnell family. I, I don't know. that. I, yeah, it, it would be nice to hear from ownership sometimes for the Blue Jackets, but they are, I don't even think it's arguable. You know, I don't know the inner workings of every team, but to me, it seems like they are probably the most hands-off ownership group in like North American professional sports. We are being asked as a fan base to trust a process, to believe in a process that hasn't shown up for 24 years, that it really hasn't manifest itself as a clear, coherent process. What are you trying to do? Win hockey games is the obvious thing, but it was like what I said with the basketball Buckeyes earlier in the week. What was being built? And through... A great many seasons, you didn't have a, a, a you didn't have anything being built. You had a couple of of, of hits, right? We're going to talk about the Tampa Bay series ad nauseum because that's the one thing this front office can hang its hat on as of right now. That's it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I mean, I guess you could go with the five playoff births, uh, you know, four in a row or Chasing whatnot. The eight but, tool all on the ground. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. enough for for Bob. Guys, too. we talked about this yesterday. They talking about a process. Give us 
a process to follow. There's been no process. A like different process every we're year. <laughs> doing a roster reset, and then we're paying too much to bring in defensemen because a head coach that never coached a game here wanted them. And but trust that process because they knew what they were doing in the process of getting that guy. Just, I mean, just give us a process. This is this is just my opinion on the Blue Jackets on their history at the beginning. Doug McLean was too damn competitive to be patient and let a organization and a team be built the correct way. It was more important to him to squeeze blood out of a turnip than to let, you know, lose, get 60 points in a year, get the top picks and build a team that way. And then we took all those years to get over that. And then we got to the precipice and the roster needed to reset. And then we have another GM, it seems like, or front office that is just too impatient to let it work. And it's just very frustrating the, what you get from them, what the, the trust a process, but you haven't given us one to trust. No, and you don't know what it means every time. Yeah, they go out there like, hey, we've got a process here. We're going to go through it. Well, what is that? What am I supposed to be looking forward to then as far as the Blue Jackets go? I I do want to play this one from the the captain on the Blue Jackets who has been with the organization for a long time, has worked, you know, around Yarmo Kekalainen for a long time, Boone Jenner. And what was his reaction to hearing about Kekalainen's firing? The team and organization had the news on Wednesday. We got it officially Thursday morning. It's a tough day. Um, You ask anybody in our room and we found out this morning had a meeting about it. It's a tough day, obviously. The spot we're in, um, not where we want to be. Things like this happen, and it's it's unfortunate. We all take responsibility. I mean, Yarmo put, uh, you know, they're drafted, traded, signed, uh, everyone in that room, and, you know, we're all in there. And, you know, we take responsibility for it, too, and where we are as a team. But obviously just want to, you know, thank him for uh, the you know relationship and the work over the last you know, 11 years since I've been here, I've been with him and been through ups and downs with him. So it's a tough day. And for us uh, as leaders, we just um, need to get back on track with our what we need to do as a team and uh, make sure the team's there going in the right direction. And uh, we've had some ups and downs where you know, we need to come together as a group, stick together. Well, thank you, Mr. Jenner, for correcting me. He says they learned about it yesterday. I saw some reporting that they, the decision was kind of made on Wednesday. Either way, it all remains that Yarmulke Glennon officially fired on Thursday this week. But yeah, as Boone says there, it's also, I think, nerve-wracking for people when leadership has a change, especially when you feel like the leadership was somebody who believed in you and brought everything in. So that's another area that Ohio or that the Blue Jackets have to look through as they they search for their new GM and they keep this team together or they don't trade deadline March 8th and so for just real quick I'd wondered if yesterday the the official dismissal of Yermo Kekalainen um, meant that there he was the fall guy for this whole thing or if there's actual change that we made to the front office because it's like they finally held the the wet slash sticky bandits to account but you're only going to bring in the taller guy. And like Joe Pesci's still going to be able to run around and commit crimes. Like is JD, he's still there. Or you're going to let him run this general manager search. You're going to let him run the trade deadline. Is anything going to change? Because when Yarmo was making decisions that we've talked about ad nauseum that weren't great, JD felt like he was in lockstep with him in making those. Now, was this a, I'm just here to support my guy or I wanted these things as well. 
We'll talk a little bit more about the possibilities of the trade deadline in the 10 o'clock hour. Plus, Aaron Portsline will join us at 1033. Up next, after some offseason coordinator changes, do the Ohio NFL teams have staffs that can get them to their goals? Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We have so many local shows, I can't fit them in a 10-second promo. So let's just say we're live and local all damn day. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The uncle you never knew you had. The friends you kind of wish you didn't. This is Bishop and Friends. Chops and Eric Reeser with you until noon today. This one uh, was inspired because, obviously, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and a big reason for that, probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever had on the other side of the ball for him. I don't yeah, I don't think there's even a ton of debate for it as they keep getting better year in and year out. But Steve Spagnuolo, Spagnuolo, which we learned, he signed an extension with the Chiefs this week to remain their defensive coordinator because he appears to be one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. So that got me thinking, okay, the, the makeup of the... Browns and Bengals. We talk a lot about everything they're doing is in service of competing in the AFC and getting over that mountaintop of beating Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, Joe Burrow has done it once in the playoffs. They had a Super Bowl berth that year. The, it's interesting to me that they are both kind of made up right now very similarly to the formula that the the Kansas City Chiefs have as far as coaching goes. The offense is really more so a product of the head coach. On those teams, Andy Reid is the is the mastermind behind the Chiefs' offense. Kevin Stefanski is the is the real idea and um, inspiration for the offense with the with the Browns and for the Bengals. Zach Taylor fills that role for them, and then obviously they lost uh, Callahan, their offensive coordinator. He went to go be the head coach of the Titans, and they stayed. They stayed in-house and just brought up Dan Pitcher, which is a great name for a quarterback coach. Dan Pitcher, I, I like that. I think that's a that's a fun one. And then the Browns went and brought in Ken Dorsey, who appears to be the one who hopefully can bridge Deshaun Watson and what works best for him and Kevin Stefanski and his offense and combine them into one that is both comfortable for Kevin Stefanski because it appears that his offense can be really good. We saw that with Joe Flacco and it working for Deshaun Watson. Can this formula, though, that has worked for the Kansas City Chiefs be mimicked and and work elsewhere? I guess we will see. But these are two teams in the Browns and Bengals that should be at that caliber of competing for real contention in the playoffs and possibly a Super Bowl run, especially when we're talking about the Bengals. Still need to see a little bit more on the field from Deshaun for me to get there for the Browns. Well, they've got the certainly both teams have the rosters, right? We talked Cincinnati's got the quarterback that's beaten Patrick Mahomes before. The Browns have the roster, one of the tops in football, and, and you saw like with the 49ers and making the Super Bowl and, and almost winning the Super Bowl with an all-star roster. And, and so if we're doing this on paper, both of those are there. It's not necessarily something, in my opinion, you want to just directly emulate what Kansas City is doing because you do not have Patrick Mahomes. That's, so yes. offensively, it, it's, it makes sense to say, well, just do what they're doing. 
but you don't have that guy. So you have to figure out what works best for your specific situation. And I think Cincinnati's done a really good job of that with Joe Burrow and the weapons that they've put around him. Now, the injury bug uh, being what it is with him, I think then you have to adapt and adjust. And it, it was okay with Jake Browning, but the, when you talk the Cincinnati and Cleveland, just two completely in two completely different spots. And it really has to do with the quarterback. Yes, but the goal of both of those teams is the same. It's just, it still is that big question mark of what percentage of what we saw in 2020 from Deshaun Watson can he get to? Because I would argue yeah, I that just it's, have to scrub it. it's been like below 50% in the 11 games that we've seen him in a Browns uniform, right? I mean, you just have to, and I know that you paid him that because you thought that that's what you could resurrect is all pro Deshaun Watson. We're too far removed from that, I, I think, for that to be the case. I, I think this is a, a situation where you saw what Stefanski wanted to do in five games, six games with Joe Flacco, and now here's what he can do. You, you do with what you can because of your situation, and Deshaun Watson's not Joe Flacco. I don't think I'm breaking any news to anybody <laughs> here and telling you that those are two completely different quarterbacks, and that's, I think, for Stefanski, what prompted him to make the sweeping changes he did with his offensive staff, because they didn't just release Alex Van Pelt. It was almost the entire offensive staff mm-hmm. is a turnover from the 2023 season, where offensively, if you consider all of the injuries that they had, I think did a pretty damn good job. But then the realization comes with the you have to make Deshaun Watson work or you have to try to figure out what's the best way to make him work. And the guys in place were not that. So, yeah, the the, the destination's the same or the goal is the same for both the Browns and the Bengals. But, man, they couldn't be any further apart with how they're going to try to go about getting there. On the other side of the ball for both of these teams, uh, I mean, Jim Schwartz comes in and makes the Browns instantly one of the best defenses in the NFL instantly. And then Louie Anarumo has done a really good job for the Bengals. There was a little bit of a fall off this year. They've dealt with some injuries as well. They've got a really good defensive line, but it's because of the the pie analogy that we're always Issues talking about with, with the Bengals. Attrition mm-hmm. and injuries, I, I think, have, it set them back defensively last year. So. It's a. It's Whereas the, the Browns to, in, have invested greatly in their best players on defense, defensively. It, but you add Jim Schwartz, and it makes that go. Yeah, and so I I think that they're both in that position, but it really does uh, come down to the quarterbacks a lot. But you know, we were talking about the All Star team of the Forty ers and while we're talking about defensive coordinators and everything, they do have that All Star team, and their defense is even starting to turn in that as they traded for Chase Young because they weren't getting the pass rush they wanted. They've got a defensive player of the year guy in Nick Bosa over there. Uh, unfortunately, lost Greenlaw to a. The linebacker to a non-contact injury, trying to run out on the field, just went down. So you hope that that's not something that's going to affect him into next season because they've got a lot of good players throughout that defense. But they are now looking for a defensive coordinator for the third time in four seasons. Robert Sala left three years ago to take over the Jets job. Then you had two years of D'Amico Ryans, who then went to take over as the head coach and did a really, really good job this year with the Houston Texans. And then Steve Wilkes comes in for a year. They wanted the pass rush to be better, and they fixed some of that with the trade for Chase Young, but they're still a really good defense. Still, they part ways with Wilkes. Is he the scapegoat of not achieving the goals that that they had right there? They got all the way to the Super Bowl. They got to overtime in the Super Bowl and just a little bit too short. And they held the, the Chiefs in check for the first half. You know, things got away from them a little bit in the second half, but I was wondering, just post Super Bowl, if it was what you had said, where Steve Wilkes is just the scapegoat defense did not stop Patrick Mahomes 
absolutely when it mattered in overtime. You know, he was able to pick up key conversions with his legs, and he was, of course, able to find, you know, that touchdown to seal the game. But Steve Wilkes didn't make the overtime decision. Steve Wilkes didn't, when his defense did its job to open the second half of the Super Bowl and picking off Patrick Mahomes, but it was Kyle Shanahan's offense that couldn't get the ball down the field. It was Kyle Shanahan's offense in the first drive of the game that fumbled the football. But then I, you, you read back into the season, and it never felt like Shanahan and Steve Wilkes were on the same page. And then I think it goes back to when you're the head coach and you have that final decision-making, it's a, all right, this guy just didn't work this season. Yeah, but I mean, I, I would think that, hey, I delivered you 19 <laughs> regulation know, points know, from the from the Chiefs. I feel like with all the power that they have on offense, that you, you guys should have been like... able to win this game. Yes, the Chiefs <laughs> ended up with 25 points, which is still pretty low. You had the for opportunity picking off Patrick Mahomes with the first drive of the second half. That you closed the door then. Yes. <laughs> but you don't do that with defense, because but they gave you the football. <laughs> so, yeah, the 49ers, it, after most of the coaching cycle has gone through in the NFL, on the search for a defensive coordinator, we'll see if they can still be the kings of the NFC. Former Ohio State coordinator officially has a new job, plus more college football happenings next. Bishop and Friends on the fan. One, two, three. Here in the fan is always football o'clock. Proud to be your home of the Buckeyes, Browns, and all the NFL games you can handle. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Free. The best hair on the air. You are listening to Bishop and Friends. Chaps and Eric Reeser, Bishop and Friends, Oops All Friends edition today. Bo will be back Thursday, so we'll see you at the beginning of next week as well. I hate it when targeted ads, uh, like, yeah, you, you got me. I am interested in this. I was just looking at my phone, and uh, in between the tweets, there was there was an ad for a Caitlin Clark jersey shirt, and it was on sale. And I was like, ooh, really? Ooh, better jump on that quickly. That yeah, was like, it was like less than thirty dollars. Clark merch being on sale doesn't feel like. I guess it does. Feel I like think they're the targeting right time me. To do it. I think charge. Yeah, if anything, you don't have. I guess you say it's on sale, but you mark it down from a hundred to seventy-five. You say twenty-five percent off. Yeah, is it the department store thing? You know, when you're mm-hmm. at a place like that and it everything is thirty percent off, and you're like. Or is everything just full price and you just pretend that there was this original higher price? It doesn't make any sense. Guys, is there, speaking of Caitlin Clark, is there a hotter person in sports right now? What do you mean Caitlin by that? Clark, <laughs> as far as, you know, moving the needle. No. No. I said a few weeks ago. She's I think the biggest she, star in college sports. Yeah. I, th- I, I don't think that's really debatable, especially with like the, the outflux of quarterbacks right now in co- like Carson Beck. He's not as big of a deal I, as Caitlin Clark right now. I'm not talking just college sports. I'm talking like all of sports right now. I mean, like currently, right yeah. now because yes. he won NF, he won Super Bowl MVP. It's probably Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, like Steph Curry and LeBron James are bigger stars in their own right, but it, they're not at the apex of their stardom. And people are probably more likely to turn on a Caitlin Clark game at this moment than they are to turn on a random Lakers game, for sure. I feel like uh, right now, and obviously we have a great women's basketball team here in our right. city with Ohio that State. handed Iowa an yes, L. on national TV. But I, I just feel like there are more people, 
I don't think women's basketball, college basketball, has ever been hotter right now, and it's all because of her. Yeah, so no. you had Giannis Antetokounmpo playing last night for the Bucks, and you had Steph Curry playing for the Golden State Warriors, and still programs are going to be leading with Caitlin Clark. We did here, but uh, yeah, to the uh, Ohio State women's basketball team, and to their credit too, like they they beat Iowa, and I think that actually the Ohio State women's team is probably the better team overall team. Yes, it's just that Caitlin Clark's the best player in the game right now, so I'm really excited for that game that they have that will. Most likely be for Iowa's chance to tie with Ohio State for the Big Ten uh, title in the regular season. We'll see what happens to the other games that are around them. There's a lot of other good programs in the Big Ten right now, but um, the tiebreaker would likely, you know, the way it's set up and what you might assume, go to Ohio State for getting the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. But still, that's going to be a great game and, you know, the last home game ever for Caitlin Clark. Possibly. She still She's does have a year of eligibility. Well, she, right? She's in her fourth year, but she has the COVID year. Her freshman year was the COVID year, so she does have that fifth year available to her. I don't know. With the, with the record she's gotten, I don't know what she would do. Obviously, she's making nice money, but I do. People push back on the idea. She's making more money than she'd make in the WNBA. Like, she might make more than, of, of endorsements than what her salary in the WNBA is, but she's such a big star that she would still have all those endorsements about to say, on top like, of a WNBA yeah. salary. So She would make, she stands to make more in relation to what, like, a rookie guard in the WNBA makes. She is not that. Yes, and it wouldn't matter if she's still playing college basketball or in the WNBA. She's going to make more money because she's Caitlin Clark at this point. If both of these teams continue to win which I think they probably will. I know Ohio State has a tough schedule here before, mm-hmm. but that game, March 3rd, is going to be as hyped up as any women's college basketball game we've seen. Yeah, and the uh, women's uh, tournament, the you know the people who put together the committee for the, the bracket, they put out that top 16, the top 16 teams, that you know, all four, top four seeds, what if the tournament was starting right now. Ohio State was third, despite being second in the AP, behind uh, South Carolina and Stanford. Iowa was Fifth and Indiana also on that list, like 15th or something. So, like I said, a lot of good programs right now in the Big Ten. So important to note. So Iowa is at Indiana, I believe, is the next game up for the Hawkeyes and Hoosiers. Who are That's both a tough out. A They're game a good team. back of Ohio State for first place uh, in the Big Ten. So the Buckeyes did secure, and this was from our buddy Matty Andrews, the double buy in the Big Ten Women's Tournament, uh, which is going to be in Minneapolis. The looks like first week and. Uh, in March, so they'll play the eighth and the quarterfinals. Um, that's locked in right now. Everything else, still wait and see. Up in the air, and so yeah, which the, is it, what you want. No, yeah, it's going to be a really exciting down the stretch season, especially if you're NBC and this is your first foray into Big Ten basketball on Peacock on NBC Sports because you had Ohio State and Iowa that was on Big Boy NBC, and then you had last night's game which was on Peacock. Like this is a huge win for them, and it also goes. To the point that ESPN made when they re-upped the NCAA tournaments, most specifically women's college basketball, for a ton of money. It's going to be fun, yeah, down the stretch for the Big Ten there on the women's side. On the men's side, uh, Ohio State uh, plays the leader in the Big Ten right now. Number two, Purdue, comes into the shot on Sunday. That's a 1 p.m. kickoff or tip-off. We will have coverage, no, starting, at, off. <laughs> we'll have coverage starting at noon here on the fan. Purdue currently 12-2 in the conference, and that puts them two and a half games ahead of Illinois, three games ahead of Wisconsin. So, you know, especially if they add another victory, which I think they might eh, probably on Sunday, they're kind of running away with it, but it's going to come down to the wire on the women's side in the Big Ten, at least for a chance uh, of a share, possibly, for Iowa and Ohio State and what's going to happen there. 
Ohio State had an offensive coordinator until they didn't. They have since replaced him with Chip Kelly. But Bill O'Brien was officially announced and introduced as the Boston College head coach yesterday. A quote from Bill. He says, uh, I really want to thank Ryan Day, the head football coach at Ohio State, for his patience and his understanding of why it was so important for me to pursue this job. A lot of people here at Boston College are familiar with Ryan Day. Ryan Day was previously an assistant coach at Boston College from 03 to 04, 07 to 11, and 13 to 14. Ryan Day is an outstanding person, an outstanding coach, and he was great during this whole process. This is I don't hold this against Bill O'Brien because when you really start to look into the details and you did not know that this job was open at the time he took the Ohio State job before Jeff Halfley surprisingly said, no, I'm going to leave this head coach job and go be the defense coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, but... His family is from there. He grew up in the Boston area. His wife is a Boston College alum. His son is a college baseball player at nearby Tufts University. And then his other son um, has some sort of brain medical condition that needs specialized care. And Boston's uh, one of the hospitals in Boston is specialized for that and so his family was going to stay there anyways as he would have moved to columbus and then he had a chance to go back to to boston so that's great for him and it's it's cool that boston college hopefully they can get back to being something because it's really just been a middling program they haven't won i was reading to say they've won eight games since the 2009 season and that's a pretty long time to go without i mean just an eight like think about that that's eight and four that's not great but it's good and can they get back to that i think with bill o'brien they can because we've seen with you know his short stint at penn state what he can do with a program and penn state was i mean they were playing with so many things going against them obviously all the off-field stuff but then from the punishment the on-field stuff and they basically had the transfer portal before it started as those players were all allowed to leave before that season and i think that's where bill o'brien can find success for boston college at least early is in that spring transfer window when you get camp attrition from most of the top teams in the country which you will that he's able to utilize similar what fran brown's doing at syracuse and picking up portal persons such as a Kyle McCord from big boy programs who have talent, who have shown that they can play at the highest level and then cobbling together something in your first season. It's a rare thing when you get to the heights of your profession that Bill O'Brien has and then get to go home and then get to kind of deal with your family situation. You talk about his son's medical issues that need addressing in the Boston area. You talk about how his wife likes being there. So rarely do you get to have all of that at once. And so I, I think for Bill, and this is a kudos to Ryan Day, when he was hired, what, in mid-January? And then yeah. 10 days later, maybe the Boston College job opens. And he even said it yesterday that as soon as that job opened up, as soon as the news came out that Jeff Halfley was headed to Green Bay, he, his phone, quote, blew up. Because he was probably there at a short list of when you have that in case of emergency break glass. All right, who can we call? Yeah. Bill's the guy at the top of the list. We, we say all the time, you're only as sure as your options. Yep. And when he took the Ohio State job, this option was not on the table and didn't appear that it was going didn't to exist. be. Yeah, and now it was. So, And I think it all worked out for everybody involved because he gets to go back home to his family in Boston. And Chip Kelly, at the very least, is lateral, possibly I'll in just, some people's eyes an upgrade. The, I'll just do the Homer Buckeye thing. We didn't need Bill O'Brien. No, we, now we got Chip we, Kelly. We, Ohio State, got totally better with Chip Kelly. One other thing to keep in mind with this kind of stuff, I am not the one that has the doom and gloom of nobody wants to coach college sports anymore. They don't want to deal with the NIL. They don't want to deal with the transfer portal. Yeah, some people don't. That's fair. But it is peculiar what we've seen this year of sitting head coaches leaving for power five coordinator jobs and another one or not even always coordinator jobs, sometimes just assistant coach because one happened yesterday. Now, this is another one where 
His family's still living in the place he was previously at Mm -hmm. in Columbia, South Carolina. But Georgia State's Sean Elliott has agreed to return to South Carolina as tight ends coach and run game coordinator. The timing of this, though, is really strange. Brandon Marcello, friend of the program, he had this yesterday. Georgia State has postponed spring practice and its spring game because head coach Sean Elliott resigned to become the tight ends coach at South Carolina two two days into spring practice at Georgia State, and he says that he's never seen anything like this before. So it's it's just one of those things. Again, there's a lot of personal reasons that make sense for Sean Elliott to make this move. I don't like the timing that you just leave your team who had already started practice going there, but I do understand the personal reasons. It feels like he wanted to get back to South Carolina at some point. He had actually been the interim coach at one point when Steve Spurrier stepped down uh, in South Carolina all those years ago. So it's just the fact that we've seen... Now this, we saw, obviously, Chip Kelly leave UCLA head coach job to be the OC at Ohio State. Alabama hired two sitting head coaches to be their defensive and uh, both defensive coordinators. One is, one's listed as defense, one's co-defensive. I don't know how that works. And then, obviously, Boston College lost Jeff Halfley, who went to go be the D.C. over in Green Bay. So, no, I'm not saying that nobody wants to coach college sports anymore because a lot of these guys stayed within the college realms. Um, but... It is interesting it's to see guys who have the, the top job to say, no, I'd rather take a step and, down. And the, the names you listed, it, all those situations are different, right? Mm-hmm. Nick Saban was getting up there in age. He'd done everything that you needed to do, that you could do in college sports. He had bought his retirement home. And I do think that the NIL portal fatigue was hitting him. And he says, I don't need this anymore. And so there is a lot of that. But if you talk about the guy from Georgia State, this opportunity to return to South Carolina opened up. And he probably thought to himself, I'd rather be doing that. And to the point I made about Bill O'Brien, your family's still there. You want to be closer to them. You're able to kind of have your cake and eat it too. Or you're still coaching ball, but you're not having to deal with the things that you would as head coach at Georgia State. Who I think is, are they fun belt? They gotta be. They're, right. they're a group of five. But you wouldn't have to deal with the things that you maybe just didn't want to do. You want to coach ball. And a lot of people just had said that about Chip Kelly. He just wanted to coach. He wanted nothing to do with name, image, and likeness. He wanted nothing to do with the transfer portal. Just coach ball. Now, is that mean it's systemic amongst all kind of old head coaches in college football? No. There are a lot of guys that when another situation can present itself that doesn't include all of that, they're going to take it. Georgia State, yes, is a Sun Belt team. The, ah, Georgia, the Fun Belt. Do you know the Georgia State mascot? Are they a bulldog? No, they are a panther. Oh. I don't know if any other team in Georgia could pull off being a bulldog. I just thought it would be funny. <laughs> that would be. I mean, I don't know. There's like, aren't there three tigers in the SEC? Yeah. Yeah, so that's too many tigers, guys. Auburn Tigers, Missouri Tigers. Coincid- they're coincidental. And LSU Tigers. Yeah, there are three tigers in the SEC. Now, really? if you're going to tell me there were three, there probably are three tigers in the state of Louisiana. How many gophers are there, though? Ha! Big Ten wins again. Because we've got a gopher. The place of it all resides in this <laughs> conference. Uh, the other factor, too, to keep in mind, you know, you're talking about the guys going for coordinator jobs at Power Five, going from group of five head coach. That's usually a pay bump. In most cases, especially with the you know the guys who left to go What's on to Kalen What's this name, Sean Elliott? He's probably going to be making the same amount of money. It's probably the, yeah, his is probably a lateral move payment-wise, but Womack and Linguist, who jumped from group of five to coordinating for Alabama, there's a very strong chance that's that's an upgrade probably in their more. payment. So that that's also a factor because we there's a lot of people who have the passion for it, but if, you know at the end of the day, you still want to get paid. So just want to coach ball and make some money. Yeah. Or maybe just coach ball, and if they get paid for it, great. Up next, reasons for optimism for the Blue Jackets? 
We'll give it a try. Bishop and Friends on the fan. This promo is brought to you by Common Man and Timmy Hall's Ping Pong Game. The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Bo knows many people. He talks to the interesting ones on this show. This is Bishop and Friends. You're almost done with the month of February. So there's no better time to sign up for the Tipico Sportsbook and get in on the betting action with basketball, hockey, and the biggest college hoops tournament in March. Right around the corner, there's plenty of games to bet on and win big. Take advantage of Tipico's massive odds boosts for the biggest payouts. Try Tipico's new parlays where you can pick how many legs you need to hit and cash in on your bets even if you miss a leg or two. Claim Tipico's new sign-up bonus now and get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter the promo code THEFAN100 to get your bonus. Download the Tipico Sportsbook app today. Unless you're driving, then do it when you get to your location. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I really do like that basketball tournament in March. They so should, much fun. Should maybe give it a name. Sometimes makes people mad. Someday, maybe we'll but have a real But if you download name. the Tipico Sportsbook app, you'll get glad. There you go. Because you'll win, maybe. Maybe you'll get glad at what the Blue Jackets do nope, next uh, nope, for their GM glad position. Nothing about this. Um, there are some reasons for optimism that make the Blue Jackets possibly a an attractive destination ah. for GM candidates. Aaron Portsline, who we're going to talk to in about 10 minutes here, he listed these yesterday. So the CBJ will have no problem attracting candidates to replace Kekalainen. According to Portsline, three reasons. One, ownership that stays out of the way but would sell its soul. Money, money, money. Puts $3 signs to win. One of the best prospects slash young talent pools in the NHL. That one's true. I like that. That's right. Yeah. And we would like to see them on the ice a little bit more, but we've, we've seen <laughs> well, that this year. Fantilli's that bridge when you get to it. Fantilli's out right now to essentially the end of the year, maybe back for like the last two weeks of the season or something. So that's a little bit of a downer, but he's still on the team and you know he's going to be He was healthy. very productive up until. Yes. And you know he's going to be healthy for next year. This isn't a long term injury for You him. have a cornerstone of your franchise. And the third reason, incredible city slash fan support despite on-ice struggles. That one is true. I've been to a few Blue Jackets games despite the team not being very good this year. People are excited. They get close or two sellout Every crowds. Year. And that's the biggest thing for me with the news that was the, the, with the move that was made yesterday. While it was done later than I think you would have liked to have it, this organization, and rarely is this the case, this organization owes this fan base owes it to do whatever it can to put a contender in front of them and build something. And I just ask, 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 actually deliver to its fan base. And I think yesterday was a positive, not sure if it was everything that needed to be done, in my opinion, to deliver that to the fan base. But you got to start somewhere. I was just going to say, you guys talking about Fantilli... And we're going to have Aaron Portsline on, but on his front and nationwide podcast, he was talking about Fantilli. Don't even bring him back for the There's rest of this no year. Yeah, no. Send it, no, but here's the thing. Send him to Cleveland. Let him play in the playoff push for there in the AHL playoffs. Run. And if you remember 2016, 
Bjorkstrand, Anderson, Corpusalo, mm-hmm. Forsberg, both of them, no, a lot of them no longer here, uh, Zach Warinsky, they were all a big part of the then Lake Erie Monsters Calder Cup Championship. Leave Yurichek down there. Leave Adam, when Adam comes back, send him down. Send Kent Johnson down. Let them be a part of that and experience a playoff run and have them ready for next year. That's a great point because that Calder Cup winning Monsters team, which I wish they were still Lake Erie Monsters. They changed. The, I think Lake Erie Monsters made more sense. They they're Cleveland doing Monsters. like Cleveland rebrand of all of the minor league teams up there to keep. Yeah, I but, believe they did that right after they won. Yeah, so they win the the Calder Cup, Stupid. and then that becomes a lot of benchmark players for what was the really the best run in franchise history for the Blue Jackets between 2016 and 2020, 2021 kind of range. And also, I mean, at the same time, the Clippers won the. Uh, what what is it for the minor league? They won like that the won governor's the, cup. The governor's cup. Yeah, they had won that in the 2015 season, and then the 2016 season was obviously great for the then Indians. Went all the way to the World Series. Great time for year. Ohio because you also forgot, and people shouldn't forget this: the Warriors blowing a three one lead in the 2016 NBA Finals. <laughs> so that's the important part too for what a GM can do because it's yes, the Blue Jackets have a great young core, and can it get better? What can they do to get that? See, they- wait, just, just, just real quick. You're at your, your. Everything you're saying is correct. Everything you're saying is logical. Now the decision makers have to act on those logical steps. Who exactly are going to be those decision makers? Factors huge here. Yes, and we, logic. Currently, we know logic. that John Davidson is going to be running GM duties at least until the end of this season. They are going to go for a search, and they're going outside. It sounds like for this search, but. Trade deadline is three weeks from today. So how are they going to handle that? Here's JD. In talking to Yarmo yesterday, and it was difficult. Yarmo's um, he's a very professional person, and we talked even about things that he's discussed with other teams. It's all right there. Anything we need, all we do is pick up the phone and call him. He's great. All right, so they're they're going to go out there and they're going to they're going to pick up the phone what? and call people. Uh, as far as the Blue Jackets and what they what they would want to do, or what I would hope that they would do, I guess more appropriately, I do want them to embrace the youth and the full on rebuild of this team of this franchise right now. Currently in 2024, they have their one, the L.A. Kings three, their own three, four, five, and six. In 2025, they have. All of their own picks, one through seven, and then also the Vegas seven. Both the LA Kings and the Vegas seven were in that. Remember last year's trade deadline where Jonathan Quick was a jacket for like uh, 12 hours? What a moment in time. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's where both of those picks come from. So there's still a lot of room to to fill up with, with more picks in this and trade those guys because that's what I think that it should be. This isn't, you're not, obviously they're not going for rentals, but I think just try to get more picks in there and bring more youth to go along with these guys. Who can be traded? There's a lot of names out there right now. Almost everybody. Yes, uh, but some of the ones that we've highlighted, you'd probably get your biggest return for Boone Jenner. The take what you can get as... Did, Baker, did you put this together or did you put this together on the sheet today? Who was responsible for that? I think that? it was Reese. Okay, but yeah. So a lot I, of defensemen in that list. But Andrew Peake... Adam, Actually, I'll say this. If it's good and you like what you're reading, it was me. If it's bad and you don't like what you're reading, it's Baker. <laughs> Boquist, Provorov, Elvis, <laughs> possibly, and the take what you can get. I just don't know what you can get right now for him because if you would trade for him... Can you even be confident that he's going to want to play night in and night out? He's a confusing player right now. I think Provorov, I think it's a little unfair in the take what you can get there. I think you can get a lot for Provorov. Uh, You know, he's a left-hand defenseman that can eat a lot of big minutes. Definitely a top-four guy. He's had a good offensive season this year. And if you remember... 
LA retained salary in that three team trade. So he's only, his cap hit is only, uh, it's just a little under $5 million, which isn't bad for a top four defenseman. So you might be able to get quite a, you may not get that first round pick, but you can get quite a bit for Provorov. When I put Provorov on the thing, I was just thinking more from a, his contract's appealing and it helps the Jackets with, and the Jackets aren't going to be shy for cap space, but this helps. We'll get smarter next as we'll talk to Aaron Portsline, who knows more about the Jackets than just about anybody. Again, they made that GM move this week. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The Ohio State Coaches Daily Show is brought to you locally on The Fan by Credit Union of Ohio. This is the Ohio State Basketball Daily Show brought to you by Encoba Insurance. Paul Keels and Ron Stokes here just a couple of days after Chris Holtman is dismissed as head basketball coach. Ron, uh, the players are the ones that have to finish out the season here, and uh, it's kind of hard to put yourself in the mind of what must be going through their heads as they still have a few weeks left of a season to try and complete. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for them is the fact that you know they know who this, the, the head coach is. I mean, because Jake has been here for um, for a while, and uh, they obviously have a, a relationship with him. And now, you know, Jake has have to rely on his experience as an assistant and a few games he had as a head coach when uh, Chris Holtman was not available. Um, so it's going to be his job to to get those folks to understand that there is a new leader now um, and uh, they have to buy in and try to do what they are trying to do anyways, try to win basketball games and, and improve as student-athletes. So um, it's an adjustment. It's a tough one for young people to deal with, but um, it's something that, uh, that they're going to have to deal with here over the next couple of weeks. Okay, we'll have another comment coming in just a moment. Hi, I'm Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. The right coverage can be a game-changer both on and off the field. That's why Encova Insurance and their local independent agents are prepared for what's next and protect what matters most to you. Whether that's your home, car, business, or family, Encova's got your back with a policy that fits you perfectly. With local independent agents in your neighborhood and innovative insurance products that can be tailored to fit your unique needs, Encova's playbook is an easy win for your peace of mind. You can trust their team of agents to develop a strategy that's just right for you. And it's not just X's and O's. Your expert agent will guide you and provide insurance solutions so you can confidently manage your risk and count on a financially secure future. Bottle home and business insurance, you want Encova on your team. Visit Encova.com today to find an agent near you. Encova is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks! Talking with Ron Stokes here just a couple of days after the coaching change at Ohio State. Jake Diebler now the interim coach for the rest of the season. And moving forward, nobody really knows, Ron, but uh, Jake's name as well as so many others will be talked about as potential candidates for this job. It's a desirable position. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, every coach that has been here knows that uh, the first thing they say is a great place. Columbus, first and foremost, is a fantastic city, an incredible business environment, uh, a great place to to be a student athlete, and and uh, people just rave about uh, the, the, all the things that come into being in Columbus, Ohio. And with that being said, Ohio State and its name and its brand and and its desire to, and for excellence. So it's a great place for a coach to come and to to, to further their career and to, to potentially win championships. So you're absolutely right, Paul. It's a very desirable job, and a lot of folks, I'm sure, are going to be buying for it. This is the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield.
Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun, casual joint with their award-winning waitstaff, great food, fun, and laughter. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind or grab a carryout. Roosters is where you, your family, and friends can order pizza, sandwiches, salads, and more. And the home of award-winning wings that are fresh, never frozen. It's your family's other dinner table. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. First Friday miracles are always better with Uncle Bo. This is Bishop and Friends. Chaps and Eric Reeser here on a Friday, and we're going to head out to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Talk to the Athletics. Aaron Portsline covers the CBJ, friend of the program, Aaron, I, uh, the first thing that that I was thinking yesterday was, okay, you, you, you move on from your current GM and your Armo Kekalainen, and the trade deadline is now three weeks away. That seems to coincide with don't let an outgoing GM take over that. Is there anything else to the timing, or do you think that's why the decision was made when it was made? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you would think that either you get through the trade deadline with your GM or you do it during the 10-day break in the middle of your season. I think the ball was rolling at that point. I think it's also reasonable to see that there were maybe ideas that Jarmo Kekalainen had. I don't know any specifics with this, but ideas he had for how to get out of this funk that maybe did not coincide with uh, others in the in the in the uh, organization, perhaps ownership. And so, I think I think Mike Priest kind of alluded to that yesterday, where. If you, if you don't have the tr- if the person doesn't have your trust anymore, then you owe it to them out of respect to them to move on quickly rather than to have a lame duck, uh, you know, guy in that situation making phone calls that he really can't back up with any action uh, if, if if people in the organization don't ally with his vision. So I think the timing of it is weird. The fact that it happened is not really surprising, but it is only right to question the timing of it. Aaron, so it does seem to factor that ownership might have been a little more active than uh, in the past with this situation. Um, Is it dramatic when I call ownership absentee? Uh, I I guess it depends on what your your definition of that is. Uh, To me, absentee means completely detached and don't care. And I don't I don't I do not get that sense at all. Um, I think they, I think the McConnell family cares deeply about the franchise. They don't want to be hands-on with people that are hockey experts. That is not their area of expertise. They know steel. They know how to run businesses. 
Um, hockey is a different beast. And so when you hire someone like John Davidson, who's handsomely paid, uh, he makes the hockey calls. You step out of the way. When they get involved, as they did with the Babcock hiring and, and the firing four days before the training camp started, that's when you know uh, that, that things are not working as they would like them to work because they like to stay in the background. They don't want to be Jerry Jones. They don't want to be Mark Cuban. Uh, they, they want to let hockey people make hockey decisions. They've shown incredible patience. Jarmo was here for 11 years. And I think that, frankly, is, is an attraction to the job for some of the candidates out there, that it is a place where hockey people make the hockey decisions. You talk about John Davidson, and he is paid handsomely, who will be the acting GM while they continue the search. And, of course, for this trade deadline, do you get the sense that Yarmo is the only move or are other people possibly in that realm of possibly being fired? Yeah, well, I don't think there's any sort of imminent moves. I think there are people who are extremely close to Yarmo uh, in the front office that could find different paths this summer. I don't think there's going to be any firings before the end of the season. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it depends on where it goes. I, I do recall, you know, when Doug McLean stepped down many, many moons ago, there were people loyal to him. It became clear they were loyal to him. And ownership had enough of that, made some, some further moves after the fact. I, I don't suspect that's going to happen, but I do think whenever the GM changes, some people in the front office uh, tend to matriculate and others tend to come in uh, with the new guy. I think that's a natural part of the process. J.D. also mentioned yesterday that he's already got some meetings on the docket. I'm not going to pretend to know that much about the assistant GMs around the NHL or other people that could take yeah. this job, but as far as what you've been able to cultivate or hear, what is the short list right now for the Jackets? Yeah, I mean, they're not certainly disclosing that, so you're, we're left to surmise that. I've got a, a story posting soon at The Athletic with, with some candidates to keep in mind, eight of them. I think there's some obvious ones that you go, okay, well, there's going to be a conversation there. Uh, Jeff Gordon, longtime GM of the brew of the uh, Rangers before that, uh, an interim GM with the Bruins um, worked a long time in two really impressive front offices has a long history with John Davidson. They were both fired together uh, with the Rangers in 2021. Uh, that's the name. He's currently the executive VP with the Montreal Canadiens. So does he want back in the GM's chair? Would Montreal let him go? I think that's a name that leaps to mind. Another, There's a couple other guys that have really interesting ties to Columbus and or the Blue Jackets who are seen as very viable candidates. Matthew Darsh, uh, one of the early players for the franchise, now an assistant GM with Tampa, was a finalist for the Penguins job, probably gets it if the Leafs don't fire uh, their guy and, and hire Brad Tree Living. Um, so he's a name. He's going to get a GM's job very soon. Uh, it'd be interesting if he landed it with Columbus, the team that he used to play for. Another guy, Chris McFarland, who was an assistant GM here under Scott Housen, also under Yarmo Kekalainen for a time. There are a lot of people in the front office that rue the day uh, Chris McFarland was allowed to leave. He's now the GM of the Colorado Avalanche, so he's not coming back for a lateral move that typically is verboten in the NHL. Uh, but if they sweeten the pot and maybe added a title to him, a president and GM or executive vice president and GM, uh, maybe Chris McFarland uh, would in fact leave the Colorado Avalanche to come to the Blue Jackets. And there are other names. I mean, uh, Derek Clancy, long ago Columbus Chill player, uh, now an assistant GM with the with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ray Whitney, 
long ago Blue Jackets player. He was a finalist for the San Jose job. Um, they have some really interesting candidates or players you would suspect or people you would suspect would be candidates. I don't think there's going to be any shortage of interest in the job, given the way that this organization is currently aligned. Uh, but they've got a lot of impressive candidates that they'll be uh, able to sift through to, to find the guy they think is right. The Athletics' Aaron Portsline, our guest, courtesy of the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Aaron, do you or should fans trust J.D.'s process? And what do you think yesterday's news means for the future of Pascal Vincent? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if John Davidson retired uh, after this season. This might be his last big project with the Blue Jackets. I don't think he's looking forward to retirement necessarily. He loves the day-to-day uh, competition of, of uh, being in an NHL front office, but he, he has had some health issues. I, I think that's one of the reasons that Yarmo stayed on as long as he did, um, frankly. So I, I don't know where that stands. If, if John Davidson may decide that, that he needs to step down. As for Pascal Vincent, I mean, I, you know, whoever the new coach comes in or the new GM comes in, I suppose it depends on how they feel about Pascal Vincent. Um, there's some stuff I think, you know, that it, you're only right to have your eyebrows raised by. I don't understand how Boone Jenner, a guy who's had two seasons end with back injuries, plays 26 minutes and 42 seconds in a losing game in Ottawa at this point of the of the season where it's a lost cause. You've got young centers on this roster that need experience. Get them experience. Do not run your captain into the ground. Um, so those are things that you wonder if the next GM or even this current staff with Yarmo no longer here may lean in on the coaching staff a little bit more than, than Yarmo liked to do. Um, but any, anytime there's a new GM, I think the people directly underneath him are rightfully, if not nervous, uncertain. Aaron, I'll get you out of here on a little bit more of a fun note. The Detroit Red yeah. Wings and a stadium series are coming to Columbus March of next year. What changed to finally get this to, to come down and we can have an outdoor hockey game in the shoe? And are we worried about the weather in, on March 1st in Columbus, Ohio, and whether it can support a hockey rink outdoors? Well, how about the timing of this? The the day incredible, the day just incredible. People would be celebrating the other way. What they did? What like you know? This was supposed. This is going to be announced by the league either Saturday or Sunday. It's a big deal for Columbus. Uh, it's it's great. I think what happened over the years is that Ohio State and the Blue Jackets started to really work in unison on this. Where for the early part of this process, it sure seemed like. The Blue Jackets really wanted it. The league really wanted it. And Ohio State's general thought on it was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, And the other thing that they always mentioned was that the stadium is not winterized. Well, I don't know that it's been officially winterized for, uh, for the millions of dollars that they talked about that, but they have made some changes to the system. Part of it is that Ohio State may need to be hosting college football playoff games beyond the regular season, which was never a concern. Uh, before the, the college football playoff started. So perhaps that compelled them to do some things. Uh, they're working together on this. They have worked together very well for a couple of years now. The league has really wanted to do this in Columbus as well. They see Ohio Stadium as perhaps the last iconic stadium that they've not held an outdoor game in. So they're excited as well, and it's cool to see that this finally come to fruition. We're excited as well. We're also excited to talk to Aaron anytime he comes on here. Thanks for joining us today.
Anytime, guys. Thank he's, you. He's Aaron Portsline, covers the CBJ for The Athletic, courtesy of the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Somebody who knows more than us gave us his names to watch for Ohio State's next basketball coach. That and more and Thing or Not a Thing, Bishop and Friends, right here on The Fan. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the Jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. After putting up with Dom Tiberi for a decade, the broadcast gods gave Bo these two. This is Bishop and Friends. It's that time of day again. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. All right, Baker, what do we got today? All right, guys, let me uh, flip my sheet here so I get us where we're at. Uh, Speaking on Rothman and Ice yesterday, Dan Dockage gave his picks for OSU's next head basketball coach. The four that he said, Lamont Paris of South Carolina, Chris Beard of Ole Miss, Brad Stevens from the Celtics, and Jay Wright, who is currently working as an analyst for CBS. South Carolina's Lamont Paris, he's under contract through the 2027 season. He has a relatively low buyout. If he left on or before uh, April 1st, he would owe South Carolina $4 million. If he left after, the number would drop to $3 million. Ole Miss, they just hired Beard last March, but he's only signed through 2026. That is a Mississippi State law rule. Thing or not a thing? Well, Chris Beard was, I mean, he just got fired by Texas, right? Because he... What was the exa- well, so they fired third him degree felony from, charge yeah. of assault against a family member for strangulation? It was a domestic violence allegation that the charge was dry, the charges were dropped. Okay, but Texas still severed ties with him, and then yeah, last March to Baker's point, they uh, Ole Miss signed him, but they can only give him like a four year deal because that is like a Mississippi state law. Strange that they would have that, but that's what Beard's making like three point two million okay. or something per year, so. There's there's a chance there that if they were to make that call, and that's what you know, Dockich was really saying was here's the guys that they need to be calling, um, and it's a thing because you would think Ohio State and new athletic director Ross Bjork would want to land a big fish for this job, but as you said, three four million dollars for a buyout for Paris from South Carolina, would he even take the job? Considering he's only been at South Carolina for what two two seasons now, because then you're talking about essentially like sixteen million dollars to secure a new head coach, and that's before you even what pay you, the new head coach. What are you willing to stomach there, right? Yeah, because they have to pay the the Holtman buyout, which again could be offset. We said this yesterday could be offset by him getting a different job, but it's still going to be you know most of that being Jay paid right, out. No by, way. No, I don't think I. I, I think I have, fine. Make the call. Sure, yeah, see, absolutely. Do, why yeah. not? But Send him a you up. I don't think Brad Stevens either. I mean, Brad Stevens didn't. I don't even think he's coaching the NBA anymore. He moved into the Celtics front he's office got a and gave that front office job where he can acquire Chris Depps, Porzingis, and yeah, he gave that job up. So again, great it's call nice. him. Take your chance there. As far as like the Chris Beard one, it's it's weird because the charges were dropped, but it was really. It was a really tough story to stomach last year when, or that uh, was in December of 2022. So that was just last season mm-hmm. when that came out. Um, I I know some people push back on this, but 
I like it when the coach is also a good person off of the court or off of the field. And some people say, oh, it's all about winning. No, I'm not a win at any cost type person. I put my name next to The Ohio State University on my resume. I have a diploma from The Ohio State University. The first thing people think of when they hear Ohio State are the athletic programs. That's the truth. And so I want those to be led by good people. Yes, I want them to also be good coaches, but that is not at the expense of anything else. If you don't agree with that, that's fine. You can have your own philosophy for it, and I'm not going to sit here and pout and, and for you know an entire tenure of a coach just because I, I'm not so sure about the, the makeup of his character. And I'm not putting that fully on Chris Beard. I'm just saying that in general from any coach. That's something that means something to me, so I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with a hire like that. Get me Will Wade. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a stand-up guy. I think McNeese State gave him a five-year extension maybe a week ago. I don't care. Every everything Will Wade did is legal now, right? Yeah, NIL, so. handed uh, the NCAA gave a trophy to Bill Self two years after getting on FBI wiretap. Well, the Chris Beard stuff would obviously have to be vetted because mm-hmm. you know he was accused of that by his wife, and then she said she was lying and took it all back. So you'd really have to dig into that. I love, and I think it's a Ross Bjork type move talking to Jay Wright and Brad Stevens. It may be unrealistic, but shoot big. Why not? Right, they're available. I, I, w- I would do it for sure. Despite objection from the mayor of Las Vegas, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred told reporters yesterday he's confident that the deal in Las Vegas is solid and that the A's will build a stadium in Vegas and play there in 2028. They still need a plan, though, for the next three seasons. The stadium lease in Oakland expires at the end of this year. They're going to discuss a possible uh, extension here. They've also explored Sacramento and Salt Lake City's uh, as alternatives, but moving away from Oakland would mean a drop in TV revenue. Also, the commissioner said he'll be retiring at the in January of 2029. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thing and or not, not a just, thing. Man, not just a drop in TV revenue because baseball is the of these major sports, the one where the TV revenue isn't as important as part as part of being like a piece of the pie because they still they have so many dates and they make a lot of money at their gate. Oakland obviously hasn't been making that much, so I mean, I guess for them personally, it could maybe go up. But if you were in a city randomly for three seasons, it's not going to be that. I don't think people are going to attach themselves too much to that. So that would be, your, I think that would be, you're talking three, four years of doing that, being somewhere else, or you know, you're just a, a dead man walking in Oakland. Like, how are they? They're already a franchise that struggles money wise, and we're never able to get it together to to stay in Oakland. That just seems like you're just killing yourself slowly through that. I, I man, I this plan, I hate. The other thing from Rob Manfred that stood out to me from his comments yesterday, this one. I don't really trust Rob Manfred, but I was willing to take this one in because a lot of people have thrown out that the the new uniforms look cheaper, more like replicas. They're being produced by Nike, but through Fanatics, however that works, whatever. Uh, some of the players have even lamented them, but they did wear them the this type of uniform in the All-Star game mm-hmm. this past season, and players actually did like them during that, and I was like, you know, the funny thing is, they probably don't look as good. I've seen the pictures from just a picture. I've not seen them personally. They, no, they don't look as good. But baseball uniforms are also not really conducive to athletic performance. When you wear a belt, they're pants. Maybe you wear the pants up to your knee. Maybe you have stirrups on your sock. It's a blouse, essentially, with a button. And it's, you know, the, the wool, the hats are wool. Maybe more high-performance stuff once the players play in them. They'll like them more. So I'm willing to see that happen. But, yes, as far as the look, those new uniforms aren't it. 
I love how Manfred's like, yeah, I will be gone in 2029. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guy. Uh, the the A's situation uh, is very interesting from a couple different perspectives. Like the mayor of Las Vegas saying that, that the plan doesn't make any sense. It's like, lady, they're doing it. it it's going to happen. Like the idea that they're just going to be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, we'll go back to the table with Oakland after uh, as dramatic of a fashion as you possibly can at getting up from the table and storming out. Now, I think it would behoove Oakland and, and Alameda County to at least have an extension on the table so they can play their next couple of seasons because you got to generate revenue that way somehow. Speaking of Alameda County, it is the county in Vegas that controls the real estate. And the mayor and of the Vegas land on can't the do anything with yeah. it. So she can say that she doesn't really want it, but the it doesn't A's, mean that's going to happen. should play their home games in Reno or like do a Nevada tour. Don't Find th- ballparks in that state and just play home games there. Yeah, I know. And I would think I know it'd be much smaller, but like, can they even possibly do some split time in that minor league stadium that already sits in Las Does Vegas? You and LV have a spot. Like you'd think that, yeah, drumming up. It's probably not realistic to play all of your games in a smaller stadium. Although I don't know that the Oakland Day. Like, if you look at their attendance, it actually probably would fit but in a smaller four, stadium. Four grand from and, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Can we still learn things without Bo supervising us? Well, maybe we learned something about the Jackets just today. What we learned this week coming up, Bishop and Friends on The Fan. Your morning just got beefier. Morning Juice with Beamer, Bobby, and Shark. Weekdays from 6 to 9. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Pull up a stool and ask the bartender for something neat. Because Uncle Bo is on the radio. This is Bishop and Friends. Chaps, Eric Reeser. Baker behind the glass. Um, It was a really big week of a lot happening. So... What did we learn? We're not trying to do too much around here, but over the course of five days, you might have gleaned some stuff. Bishop and Friends present what we've learned this week. A lot going on uh, for us. It felt, like the, it felt like the week went fast, but it also felt like a long week because especially yesterday, it was like, oh man, we've got the, the Holtman news officially. He's been fired, and then 30 minutes into the show, Yarmo Kekalainen gets fired. We got the stadium series that we talked about with Aaron Portsline in the last hour for the Blue Jackets, and that almost got buried. So it's it's been a really crazy week, but back to that first one. It probably affects us the most, you know, close you know, close second with GM uh, Yarmo Kekalainen fired by the Blue Jackets. But Ohio State basketball is now looking for a new head coach. Jake Diebler will be the interim head coach to finish out the season. Just a few more weeks left on that, plus the Big Ten tournament. I don't foresee any postseason tournaments for this Buckeye team. Most of the time, maybe NIT, but those other tournaments like the CBI that we joke about, that's usually reserved for smaller schools anyways. So I don't think that's going to be something there. And then on top of that, who are they going to look for in their head coach we were talking about that in thing or not a thing had a few names out there but it just got to the point with chris holtman that the basketball team was not living up to the expectations that the ohio state athletic department has for their teams in general but the basketball team specifically it was 
early round exits when he did make the tournament, made the tournament his first, technically first four out of five years, but they probably would have made it in 2020. There just wasn't a tournament that year. And then after that, a, a really bad end of the season. And, well, I mean, it, it was nice in the Big Ten tournament. They made a little bit of a run there. But you could see throughout the year that they just weren't competing in the Big Ten. And it flipped over. The calendar flipped over. And, again, they weren't competing in the Big Ten. I think it was the right move. And now the Buckeyes are looking for new leadership there. I wonder if Gene could have that press conference back that he had when he said, I just felt at this particular time with six regular season games left, Big Ten tournament, whatever the postseason brings, that a spark of energy was needed as one of the reasons why you dismissed Chris Holtman when you did. Like, they got a hell of a spark to go and beat number two Purdue on Sunday. Like, And a spark for what? Come on. Like, unless they are not playing in a postseason tournament unless they win the Big Ten tournament and get the automatic bid. That is, that's what I think is the case for them. Even if they win out, they would have that win against Purdue, I suppose, if they somehow won out. But I, they're not going to get themselves really even into contention for the NIT, really. I've thought this for years, and uh, it rings even truer today, that when like guys in these leadership positions have to explain decisions that they've made, both poor and difficult decisions, they do a horrible job of doing it. And it almost feels sometimes like they're talking to us like we're stupid. <laughs> I, I do like that at the very least Gene Smith went out there and admitted to regretting. Yes. Because it's very clear that the contract extension that. given to Chris Holtman two years ago that made the buyout upwards of $13 million was a, a, a huge mistake by the Buckets. We never even got into the three years that the extension was for. For Holman. That's how poorly it went right after they inked this deal. Um, so at least he regretted that. But there is, yeah, a little. I think also both of those press conferences, you know, hearing from John Davidson of the Blue Jackets and Gene Smith with Ohio State, it both sounded like very dejected groups that they didn't, that the leadership that did eventually make these decisions didn't want to fire these guys, but their hands kind of got tied at a certain point because they were not performing their jobs to the level that it needed to be performed. Well, it's. It's a relationship thing, and it's also an ego thing, right? And I think you heard both emotional uh, emotional men in Gene and, Yar- and JD who have relationships, really strong relationships, Gene to Chris, Yarmo and JD, that they didn't want to, in a sense, part with their friend. But also the ego and that these were hiring decisions that they had had a hand in. With JD, he had that stint back with the Rangers while Yarmo was still here, but there were a lot of decisions that the two made that didn't work that were in lockstep, and so that is admitting that is admitting mistakes and, and very difficult things for guys in those kinds of positions to do. Now you have a situation at Ohio State where Ross Bjork is going to come up here in March, kind of work hand-in-hand with Gene Smith to make the, the handoff process of the athletic director job easy. With the Blue Jackets, you have John Davidson, who is going to be the GM, and he'll see the Blue Jackets through the trade deadline coming up in three weeks and then on to the search of the new GM. And it was a question of whether or not, well, is J.D. also going to be on possibly the chopping block for the Blue Jackets? You know, he's been a guy who's had his hand in in two different stints during the Yarmo time being here. But is that But an Aaron Portsliner we had on in the 10 o'clock hour? Had an interesting uh, notion that, for some reason, I, it had not crossed my mind yet, but here's what Aaron had to say. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if John Davidson retired uh, after this season. This might be his last big project with the Blue Jackets. I don't think he's looking forward to retirement necessarily. He loves the day-to-day 
uh, competition of, of uh, being in an NHL front office, but he, he has had some health issues. I think that's one of the reasons that Yarmo stayed on as long as he did, frankly. So I, I don't know where that stands. If, if John Davidson may decide that, that he needs to step down. So JD will be 71 here at the end of the month and he's had a playing career. He's had a broadcasting career. He's had an executive career, both, you know, two different times with the Blue Jackets, initially named president uh, of the Jackets back in 2012, left for the New York Rangers in 2019 and came back after being fired from that job in 2021. So now he's been back with the Blue Jackets. But hey, a guy in his 70s, maybe going through these these processes of dealing with firings and changing overs of front office and sometimes he's in charge of the firings or in charge of replacing the people who have been fired sometimes he's the one who is fired at 71 years old at the end of february maybe he would just be done and be ready to retire and say i don't want to go through another whole building process of a whole new front office i could see that as a strong possibility well to aaron's point if you want to go back and listen to that interview we have it available for you at 971 bfs and our daily podcast that comes to you wherever you do your podcasting uh, the decision, I think we learned this yesterday, that JD, that this decision to dismiss Yarmo was was ready to go earlier in the season, but JD had had back surgery, which kept him out for a little for a length of time. And, and if that's the case, then maybe this is a he retires at the end of the season, gets his health right, and then because he can, he's done it all in the in the hockey world. John Davidson's done everything. Yeah. And so he would be able to, if he could get his health right and then come back, pick kind of the place that he wanted to go and work. It's just not working out here. No, and it, it doesn't feel like the front office moves because, I mean, J.D. would have been involved in bringing in Mike Babcock, which I think that was probably... Not the- just bring in, but try to convince everybody that it was the right <laughs> move and that changes had been made to Mike Babcock that, in fact, had not. That was probably the final straw to get the ball rolling to where we got where they finally fired Yarmo Kekalainen. And I think they would they said, okay, we'll still give this, this year a chance and see what happens in the Blue Jackets. It depends on who you are. Failed to live up to expectations or had the negative expectations that maybe you did have going into the season. Either way, the true result is that they're not a very good hockey team right now. And I, yeah, I think that a lot of that sits on the decision making and the shoulders of people in the well, front it's the, office. It's the results, right? It's for both. For the Ohio State men's basketball team and for the Columbus Blue Jackets, it's results. What have you done? And neither can say over the past couple of years have done anything. Results-wise. No. And uh, speaking of results, the NFL, they get all the results they want. The Super Bowl, it just keeps going up. The playoff ratings keep going up. The regular se- season ratings keep going up. It Right now, now things happen, and obviously too big to fail is something that has re- really more of a negative connotation around it than a positive one. But right now, the NFL is in that position where it feels like they are too big to fail. You're talking about the highest-rated Super Bowl as far as viewers go Ever with 123.7 million average, it peaked at 202.4 million. I did note the Nielsen had changed their formula for counting out of home viewers. So until I see you know subsequent years with that in there, eh, maybe we'll see that the numbers aren't you know as big as they seem. But there's still a really strong chance that this was the highest rated Super Bowl of all time. It makes sense. It's Patrick Mahomes going for his third. They've been the you know the top dogs in the NFL now for a while. And plus you've got the 49ers who are, are an all-star team, as we've mentioned. But either way, the NFL throughout the last few years, it's, man, those ratings just keep going up. Yeah, it's the most watched broadcast of all time. 
And next year's Super Bowl 59 from New Orleans is going to top that. And it will just continue to rise. And I wonder, you know, if that includes the number from the Nickelodeon broadcast. It does. It includes uh, the Univision, which is... I believe American viewers watching in Spanish because sure. there's obviously international viewers and who knows. I mean, I'm sure you could find that, but with it's Nielsen, a Super Bowl, it, it's never not going to crush yeah, it. But Nielsen measures in, in America here. So, yeah, it was it was streaming CBS truly on cable or over the air Nickelodeon and the Spanish broadcast here in America. So a lot of different, you know avenues to to grab those ratings by i don't know if i fully agree bo's like are you telling me two-thirds of america didn't watch it i don't know if i fully agree with him that like that seems impossible i think that's possible not we live no, in not with taylor swift being in there i don't know we live in this bubble where we think sports I are think, the most and there are people who do not care about sports i think at three-thirds all. of america watch the super bowl you think? only one third wants to admit it. <laughs> that's what you think that's it was? My, that's my math that I'm going to be using. You think a third of Nielsen meter people just said, I, mean, I am watching the Super Bowl, but I'm going to... I'm actually watching this, but I don't... I'm going to turn on TV land <laughs> instead. So, I do. No, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think one third of an entire country watching something or a little bit more than one third is pretty good. And I, Pretty good. I don't know. I don't know what, like, if you actually polled people in America. Now, obviously, more than this, watch the Super Bowl because it's an event. But what percentage of Americans would say, yeah, I'm an NFL fan or I regularly watch the NFL? I don't know. I'd be interested in that. Also, the Columbus crew, they got new kits. And uh, you put this, but they aren't bad. I agree with you. I, I, like, I like them. They're fine. Yeah. They're Yeah, Charlie Brown. Great, Charlie Brown's awesome. If they Everybody look like loves Char- Charlie Brown. Who wouldn't want to look you like Charlie Brown? You just can't lose a bunch. And, just, uh, and you can't pull the ball away so that he flips over. Well, and, no, but when you're beating other teams in the Charlie Browns, you can say, Charlie Brown's whooping that ass. Do they have any players that are bald? Like, like any white guys who have a bald head? Nobody that would fit that mold you're looking for. Okay, because that would be unfortunate. You would look exactly like Charlie Brown. So this then. press release from the team, the home kit's uh, design is inspired by the bold, angular architecture of the black and gold fortress, lower.com field, and buildings in the neighborhood that surround their home, Astor Park, with the construction of the stadium ongoing, expansion of Astor Park, cruise, blah, 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 blah. So, okay, it looks like a, a wall. On this note, real quick, uh, I learned this from Beam being told. this morning because he was talking about the the new kit for the blue or the the crew. Man, we're talking about all the teams today. So the crew had that the new gold kit, and he said next year they'll have a new black one, and then the next year they'll have a new gold one. And I was like, oh, they change you know one of the colors every other year to a whole new thing. And he was like, yeah, it's really normal in soccer. Apparently, like in the Premier League and in those other leagues. They change every single year. Now, it might be kind of minor, but they do make these changes because... Merchandising. Well, most of our time, it's, yeah, it's like, oh, an NFL team changes their uniform. It's kind of indefinite how long they'll be in that uniform, but this is... They're always changing them. So, okay, if you don't like the the Charlie Brown ones, they'll be gone in two years, so don't worry. They're going to have to change it next season because they're going to have to add a fourth star. Ooh, there we go. Prediction time. That's the major design thing with the new... The home kit released by the crew today is there's three stars on it. So you had a fourth one. You can change it again. Coming up, Buckeye football's not over. It's just changing to spring football. Bishop and friends right here on The Fan. If you miss a live show, you can catch the podcast. If you miss the podcast, our hosts have volunteered to have dinner with you. Ma, the meatloaf! The f- 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you say something with enough confidence, it must be true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. And I am confident that there is no better time to sign up for the Tipico Sportsbook and get in on all the betting action with basketball, hockey, and the biggest college hoops tournament in March right around the corner. There's plenty of games to bet on and win big. Take advantage of Tipico's massive odds boost for the biggest payouts. Try Tipico's new parlays where you can pick how many legs you need to hit and cash in on your bets even if you miss a leg or two. Claim Tipico's new sign-up bonus now. Get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter promo code THEFAN100 to get that bonus. Download the Tipico Sportsbook app today. Unless you're driving, then get to where you're going and then download the Tipico Sportsbook app. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Buckeyes will start spring practice. They usually start in the first week of March. There is not an official release from them on when it is going to happen, but our friends over at the podcast, Austin Ward and Bill Landis, I was listening to their instant reaction to James Laurinaitis being promoted to full on field hey, we know that guy. linebackers coach. Hey, we do know that guy. Good. Congratulations. Finally, finally got a job. <laughs> yeah. It's- Unbelievable. Well, you know, maybe that's our track now. Maybe we become a linebacker coach somewhere. We go from working here in the nine to noon slot and we become linebacker coaches. That seems to be the career track. So that you he take. is extremely qualified. He might be overqualified to be a linebackers coach. Like he, he's defensive coordinator mm-hmm. level of expertise. We are horribly underqualified. To be fair, though, as far as experience in only years, if you just measure it in years, we are technically more qualified to be radio hosts. But that's probably hard to sell probably, people no, on. No, we're not. But. I mean, we. I'm just saying, as far as experience goes. Over James? Yeah. I mean, he's got like three years of Okay, it but he versus, is no longer in radio. We are still. Yeah, and I've got six years of professional experience you know here you, in radio. You, you have that there, bud. The guys in the podcast, though, yeah, they're, they were saying two, two and a half weeks away for the uh, Buckeyes to start spring practice, usually in the first week of March. And then we were wondering, well, what are the rules of like how you can do it? And we were both kind of right because you said, well, isn't it just like a five week yeah, period? Yeah, a certain amount of practices over five weeks starting in March that lead up to that April 13th spring game. So I looked it up. 34-day period, so yeah, essentially five weeks um, with 20 hours per week of unrestricted activities. You get 15 so on-field practices, no more than 12 involving contact. Full contact may not occur until the third practice. Eight of the 12 contact practices can involve tackling, and no more than three of those eight may be devoted to 11-on-11 scrimmages. That includes the spring game, actually, as one of those three that can be in 11 on 11 scrimmage and then we get the usually on the weekend we get those leading up and then uh during non-contact practice sessions headgear may be worn those are the ncaa rules on spring practice so if the ncaa is listening stop listening right now they're doing spring workouts now oh the the remember when they're like i don't think ryan day does it it's like a big show but remember when urban used to hand over the whistle of the team to mick mickey mirati and yes. say oh i don't have anything urban, to do urban with the loved team. a big show which That's yeah, sure. yeah, as if the head coach just says, "I don't know what the team's been up to. They've just been working out with the strength and conditioning program." Nobody's following the NCAA guidelines. 
sense. No, but okay, they now I, NCAA, you resume listening to this program. But from an official sense, they will only have those 15 practices and those are coming up. And then the spring game is April 13th. So coaching staff is squared away. It feels like, all right, you're good. Let's go win a national championship. There are still, because coaches are leaving and stuff, there's still technically openings in the transfer portal, but we're already into the academic year. I think it's going to be pretty hard for people to, to move on over. It feels So it feels like the roster, for spring at least, is finalized. So I wanted to ask you, and you can't say QB, so that's why I listed it as your number two mm. biggest storyline to follow this spring. Because uh, everybody would go with quarterback, of estab- course. Establishing an offensive line. Like, where is Seth McLaughlin going to factor into this? Will he be the starting center, or will it will it be somebody else, or will he move over and play guard? I'm interested. Can that- he be an interior offensive lineman, or is he your anchor point? With that one, too, because Justin Fry worked under Chip Kelly at UCLA and then has come over here, and then now Chip Kelly has rejoined him. The especially run blocking left a lot to be desired last season. Will that be something that does improve? Because Chip Kelly loves to run the ball. He's one of the most efficient in his whole career, but even at his time there in UCLA, and he worked with Fry there. Can they find that juice or whatever works to make the offensive line better at run blocking Mm -hmm. as well as pass blocking? But I really want to see the improvement in the run blocking because one of the ones that I'm most interested in, and I don't know how much we'll get this in spring because you know, Travion has dealt with some injuries while he's been here and Judkins who transfers in from Ole Miss had a very heavy workload at Ole Miss. So I would imagine they, they don't want to put too much tread on the tires for him, but from what we see as far as what, you know, the media who goes there and sees any of the practices and then in the spring game, what is that running back rotation going to look like? But I feel like that coincides with your offensive line one as well. Yeah. And I just, you know, is Carson Hinsman still in the doghouse? Like Probably. is he is is that something that they're still kind of mad about? Like I just thought even back then when he made the com- made, he made candid comments on a podcast. Uh, among them was Ohio State didn't utilize all of its practice availability leading up to the Cotton Bowl. And if anybody with a pair of eyeballs or even one or two one eyeball saw the Cotton Bowl, it's like OSU looked wildly underprepared, wildly uninterested in the bowl game, and that might have come from the coaching staff. And it's like, look, if your players saying that and that's true, then that's what you need to work on. Less what less punishing the player for saying that. It's pretty you're I, worrying I, about the wrong stuff when you're like, how dare you speak the truth? I understand the idea of keeping stuff in house, but when you're talking about a straight up fact, it does like now, to be fair, Carson Ensman was not officially suspended or officially punished uh-huh. for this, but I right, know they were giving Matt Jones time for uh, <laughs> sure. NFL film. Sure. Oh, Cause that really, that really that worked helped. out for everybody. It might involved. have worked better had he not played that game. Man, the O line looks the so offensive good in line the had they not ball. even played. But then at least they hit the ground running in the offseason and made all these changes. They, they did the they did what they needed to do. Yeah, fired some guys uh, off the coaching staff, hired some guys onto well, the coaching well, staff, and then the transfer them, and they allowed others to seek other opportunities. Let's not use the F word here. Okay, let's. Yeah, we wouldn't. FCC says I can't use the F well, word. You never know who's listening. Um, as far as one other storyline that I, I think is going to be really interesting, and this will lead into fall camp and stuff, but you'll see some of it because these guys will have to be out on the field with James Laurinaitis also taking over linebacker coach. That makes me more interested in this. Sonny Styles, where is he going to line up if we see him on the field during spring practices and in the spring game? Is he going to make a full switch to linebacker? Is he going to be playing some sort of hybrid role? It feels like Ooh. with Lathan Ransom and the Caleb Downs transferring in, that's your safety. 
unit. And I don't have a problem with that, but I do want Sonny Styles on the field. Linebacker has been the one that's thrown out because of his body type. He's definitely big enough for it, but he's also on the faster end and he can help you out in coverage in that sense. But yeah, what is his spot on the field going to be? And what are they going to call it? Is it a Jack? Is it a Leo? Viper. Is it a jerk? I think that could be a that'd be a good defensive position. Just call him a jerk. Do you think like defensive assistants sit there and just write down like cool sounding words and say, "Oh, I'm going to present this to the defensive coordinator and we can call the position." I this. bet. And again, this is just uh, baseless, reckless speculation that when Jim Knowles goes number two, he's got a pen and paper in front of him when he's doing the business on the throne. He's constantly scribbling ideas. He's the ultimate like shower thoughts guy. And so when he's doing that, he's he's either scribbling defensive ideas or he's scribbling names for certain positions. Like this is a guy who strikes me as nine cups of coffee. My bowels are moving. Yeah, I've got to have the I have these great ideas because if you're like me, some of your best thinking comes from when you were on the porcelain throne. So you scribble the notes down. What, I'm, we should do that for here. Like instead of you That's know, what this show is. Instead of sitting in the two chair, I'm actually the rattlesnake. Yeah, there you go. Because I make noise. And uh-huh. I, Perfect. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so now refer to me. Official title, Chops, Mark Finch, Rattlesnake here at the fan. And we'll do better than just Bo is the bishop position. Up next, we'll hear from Ben Bolts of the LA Times who covered Chip Kelly at UCLA. Bishop and Friends on the fan. This Buckeye Football Impact Report is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse. On the fan, Ohio sports destination. Ohio State Football Impact Report. Ohio State went to the offensive line and went to the Hoosier State to pick up a couple of prospects, including 6'5'0 lineman out of New Palestine, Indiana, Ian Moore. Ohio State recruiting analysts from Bucknuts, Bill Kerlick. Ian Moore, along with Mylon Graham, were the top two prospects in the state of Indiana. So the Buckeyes went into the Hoosier State and came out with the top two prospects in that state. He uh, has been recruited by Ohio State as a tackle. Could be right tackle, could be left tackle. I tend to think it'll be right tackle, but uh, either way, he is a very good tackle prospect. He is a top 200 overall prospect in the country in the 247 sports recruiting rankings. Moore was Mr. Football on the offensive line in the state of Indiana. This report was brought to you by SafeLight Autoglass. I'm Matt Andrews on the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Hi, this is Paul Keels. This Buckeye season, don't let a broken windshield ruin your game plan. SafeLight Autoglass makes it easy to get your windshield fixed with their mobile glass shops all over central Ohio. They can come to you anywhere, giving Buckeye fans more time for game time. OH? Man, I love that. Schedule at SafeLight.com. SafeLight Autoglass is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Libman makes a difference. The Libman Mop Crew is a part of our winning team. The Libman Mop Crew makes sure the hardwood is safe and clean for the players every game at the Schottenstein Center. No matter what kind of flooring you have at your home court, Libman has the tools to keep it clean. Our mops, brooms, and brushes are proudly family-made in the USA. Visit Libman.com to see our whole lineup and for a store locator. That's Libman.com. Libman, proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. 
Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. For more than 35 years, Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse has been known by Buckeye Nation as serving the best steaks in the city. Our thick-cut, aged steaks have been a staple in Columbus with three locations, in Upper Arlington, Dublin, and downtown. Hyde Park is proud to introduce our newly added wine room at the downtown Columbus location, where a new elegance in dining will surround you. And coupled with live entertainment every weekend, Hyde Park will be the perfect setting for any occasion or the perfect night out. Hyde Park is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Buckeyes! Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. With friends like these, who needs former college football players? This is Bishop and Friends. Chaps and Eric Reeser, and we're about to head out to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Talk to the LA Times' Ben Bolch, UCLA beat writer, and we've talked to him previously when UCLA has been one of our 20 most interesting programs. And one of the reasons for that, aside from they were joining the Big Ten at the time, and now they're that's, that's coming this summer, they're going to officially join, but... Chip Kelly is an interesting name in the coaching world, both in college and the NFL, and he's had a long career. First about Chip, I want to start there. Why do you think he wanted to make this move of going from sitting head coach to offensive coordinator? Is there any truth to the rumors of him not wanting to to deal with the, the changing climate or were things just not looking great at UCLA? What from your vantage point, Ben, do you see as like why Chip Kelly wanted to make this move? Obviously, he has a closer relationship with Ryan Day as well. Well, I think it's a, a couple of factors. I mean, obviously, he was also looking at NFL coordinator positions. So this was not just something that fell into his lap. He was he was actively looking to leave, and I think the reasons are, are multiple. Uh, as you alluded to, you know, the NIL situation, he was not putting in. You know, some people say, oh, UCLA doesn't have the money. They don't have the NIL war chest. Well, Let's be honest, a lot of that was on Coach Kelly. He did not put in the effort that was needed to secure that money. Uh, UCLA was lagging in that department, and I think as he saw with the transfer portal recruiting in January, uh, they were having trouble bringing in high-end players because they couldn't match other uh, programs like Ohio State that had these huge uh, war chests that could bring in top-level talent, and I think he saw that that was going to you know, be an ongoing struggle in, a, in a, an area where UCLA was going to lag behind other teams. Now, the other huge factor is I do believe with this move to the Big Ten and assessing his talent, uh, he realized that this was not going to be a successful season and was probably going to spell the end of his time at UCLA, given that, you know, frankly, he was on the hot seat at the end of this season when they, uh, you know, won eight games after their bowl victory. And there are a lot of fans calling for his dismissal after home losses to Arizona State and Cal. There were planes uh, with banners flown over campus. So 
So I think, you know, you put all that together. I, I do think that Coach Kelly ultimately does want to get back to the NFL. I mean, I anticipate if he leads, you know, Ohio State to a lot of success here in a season or two, he'll look at trying to get back to the NFL as a coordinator. I don't think this is probably a long-term spot for him either. So I think, uh, you know, it was a, it was a myriad of factors uh, that pushed him out of UCLA. Ben, it does seem like best case scenario for everyone involved, instead of having to pay him what would have been like an $8 million buyout, they get a um, check for a million and a half dollars to, you know, separate a year early. Deshaun Foster steps in, uh, a very emotional hire for him to be back with his alma mater. Um, he'd only been away, I think, from UCLA for about a year. What's been the reception for him there a couple, maybe a week or so into the new gig? Yeah, he'd actually been away for about a week. He had taken the uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders running backs job and then came back, you know, 10 days later or something. So uh, he'd been at UCLA for seven straight years as running backs coach uh, through through the end of this season. So, you know, it was it was kind of interesting. I think the, the accurate portrayal of his introductory press conference was that he was kind of the anti-chip. He showed a lot of emotion. He showed passion for the program in a way that Coach Kelly never did. And that really resonated with the uh, the boosters and the uh, ex-players and the current players who were there uh, at his introductory press conference. And I think the most telling quote of the day was Ethan Garbers, uh, the starting quarterback, said that, you know, he said, I don't want to say we didn't have fun with Coach Kelly, but it, it felt more like a job. And now we're going to get back to just playing football and having a good time. So I think there's a lot of energy around this program. But as, as you know, it's only going to take you so far. We're going to have to see what kind of staff he's going to assemble. He's going to have to hire a top-notch offensive coordinator uh, and decide which of the current staff he wants to keep. I'm anticipating it'll be most of the staff. Uh, but that's going, to, that's going to be really telling as to how uh, successful this uh, Deshaun Foster era is going to be. Talking to Ben Bolch of the LA Times here. And, okay, stepping down from head coach to become offensive coordinator. Chip Kelly is here in Columbus. So that it takes a lot off his plate. Head coaches have so many things extra that they have to deal with. So from a coaching ball standpoint, what should we expect as far as him integrating himself as the offensive coordinator into an already pretty situated offensive room for Ohio State? But obviously he's going to bring some of his own ideals as well. Yeah, you know, from the from day one, everybody was wondering what the UCLA offense was going to look like. Is he going to run the blur? He never did. They did run some, you know, tempo and mix that in at times. But it was a very pro-style, pro uh, tight end heavy uh, offense. The running game was the bread and butter. Um, you know, I think they had a 1,000-yard running back in almost every season, except for maybe this last season when it was really, uh, you know, really a two-back system as opposed to one guy getting the bulk of the carries. But a lot of great running backs had a lot of success under Coach Kelly, and I would expect that to continue at Ohio State. You know, he did kind of dial back on the tight end usage toward the end of his tenure, but I expect that, you know, it'll look probably pretty similar uh, to that at Ohio State. Now you're going to have a lot more high-end pieces to kind of move around and play with, and that's going to be very interesting. The one thing I will say uh, that I thought he underutilized was uh, he did have a really, really talented receiver, J. Michael Sturdivant, this year, who I thought was really underutilized. So I'll be interested to see if he does that. He, he tends to favor the slot receivers uh, versus the guys out wide. So that's one thing to look for uh, going forward with him. But I got a question for you. Uh, does, does Ohio State routinely make its offensive coordinators uh, available to the media? They'll be available. It's not something where it's just the beginning of the year and the and like the bowl 
prep, but it's not super continually. But we'll see him a few times, I would imagine, throughout the season. Maybe yeah. on the coach's show as well, sometimes they, they step in too. Yeah, you know, I was joking that I should get a, go- a GoFundMe to have people fly me out there for his first uh, media availability because I'd love to see the look on his face if I was there to ask the first question. <laughs> right in the front uh, row. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, had, we had a pretty interesting relationship over six years. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing his comments to the media and, and how he handles that. It does factor, Ben, to be a hire where you kind of just let Chip, if he would like to meet with the media, like, sure, go ahead. And if he doesn't, like you factor, he might not want to all the time, then you don't hear too much from him just because of the close relationship uh, he had with Ryan Day. And, and a lot's been said, you know, about, about Ryan Day and his, abil- uh, his ability to develop quarterbacks in your, in his time in with UCLA, did you think he did a good job of developing quarterbacks once he got them onto campus, or did they sort of get there with the talent that they had, and uh, that's it? Well, kind of a mixed bag. I mean, uh, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson went from a player that a lot of fans thought was unplayable and should uh, move to wide receiver to one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Now, he did have five years to do it. Uh, you know, started more games than any quarterback in UCLA history, but his transformation was remarkable, and I, I do think that Coach Kelly deserves a lot of credit for that. However, the flip side was I thought that he really mismanaged the quarterback situation this year where you had, you know, a veteran and Ethan Garbers with maybe a lower talent ceiling versus the five-star freshman Dante Moore. Uh, he, I think he did get a little bit uh, starry-eyed and, and going with, Dante Moore, uh, you know, after basically one game, handing it over to Dante Moore and, you know, sticking with him through some struggles. He, he had a pick six in three consecutive games, and Coach Kelly finally went back to Ethan Garbers, and, and really the season turned at that point. So I thought that that situation was mismanaged a little bit. Everybody was unhappy, and, and you know, Dante Moore on the way out basically criticized Coach Kelly by saying he wanted to go to Oregon because that was somewhere where he could felt he could be developed. So kind of calling out Coach Kelly without saying it by name, but, you know, that was kind of a, a sour ending uh, for the quarterback situation for Coach Kelly at UCLA. I'll get you out of here on this one real quick. If you split an 18-team Big Ten into three tiers of six teams each, a gold, a silver, and a bronze tier, we'll call them, where do you think UCLA falls in the first year? Uh, meaning bronze tier is the bottom six teams in, mm-hmm. the, uh, in, the, in the conference? Um, you know, I'm going to say bronze. They, you know, they've got they've got such a just a brutal schedule this year. I mean, I, I'm sure you've probably looked at. It. I mean, not and even starting before Big Ten play, they got to go at LSU. Um, you know, they've got uh, Penn State, they've got uh, Oregon, Washington, and USC. I mean, I, I don't really see them winning any of those games. So I think it's going to be a struggle. You know, maybe with Deshaun Foster, they'll they'll get a little bit of an energy and, uh, you know, bump and, and guys kind of coalescing around this. But I, I do think the ceiling on this season for them really is about five wins. Yeah, it's going to – it probably will be a tough first year for them. But, hey, eventually the, they'll have the, the full vested TV money and the, it'll all be worth it, right? <laughs> well, that's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> ben, thanks for joining us today. You're our UCLA correspondent, and uh, we love hearing from you. All right, anytime, you guys. Thanks for having me on. He's Ben Bolch of the L.A. Times, UCLA beat writer, appearing on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Three things on a Friday next. Bishop and Friends on the fan. 
If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics, the fan, Ohio's sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Bishop and Friends, about to finish it up. Another week in the books. But before we get to three things, first up, Reeser, what do we have on the fan poll today? Daily fan poll sponsored by ER Auto Care, masters of our craft. Today's daily fan poll asks, what was the biggest sports story in Columbus this week? Holtman being fired, Yarmo being fired, James being hired, or the Ohio State women's basketball team being ranked second in the AP Top 25. 54% of respondents to the Daily Fan Pool sponsored by ER Auto Care say Chris Holtman being fired is the biggest sports story this week. 19% say Yarmo, 13% each James and the Ohio State women's squad. It's a, there's a fair it's argument fired. for, yeah, I think it's Holtman fired, but the Ohio State women's basketball team being so good is the most exciting one. Personally, the James news was really big, but you know, linebacker coach for some people probably isn't like the biggest hot off the presses. Let's get to it. The firings are the things that people are most interested in at any given time. And since it was head coach, GM's still a big deal, but head coach, I feel like holds a little bit yeah, more. It's, so it, it, it's by Holtman. far. Yeah. Time for three things. One. Two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. First thing for me, I know some people would disagree with this, but the uh, the left lane is not just excuse to go as fast as you want. I find that if I'm going considerably over the speed limit and currently passing cars, you coming up on my bumper is not reason for me to do anything. I don't really care that you want to go 90. That's your own prerogative. But it got me thinking, we need a way to honk backwards. The honk is in the the horn is in the front of the car and it, it goes forward. We need a way to honk backwards because somebody did this. They came right up on me and I was like, I, I was in a bad mood. I was like, I'm not going to deal with this. I, I did a little brake check on him. And then I did it a second time and then I could see them get flustered behind it. And I was like, that wasn't really the most uh, safe thing ever. I wish I could just honk backwards at them to just tell them, hey, back off, buddy. That's a toilet thought. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you think about when you're on the crapper later. I mean, but Columbus drivers, still the worst. The worst. Happy 30th birthday to Tyvis. Uh, he'll be on with Ryan Baker and I before the cruise tomorrow. So we're on 12 to 3, Ryan. I'm trying to get in for some time before he boards the boat. He's on the Buckeye Cruise for Cancer that departs uh, tomorrow afternoon. Tyvis is going to come on for sure because he wants to tell everyone it's his birthday as well. So, Happy birthday, Tyvis. Welcome to 30. So, guys, I said earlier in the show that I had a weather three things, but that is gone now because since we've been on, Union and Blue has tweeted that on the 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman mentions that the Blue Jackets may have came really close to trading for center Elias Lindholm, who ended up going to Vancouver. He says it came down to the wire, but was all ultimately shut down somewhere. We had Porty on, and he talked about maybe Yarmo's vision for the future and ownership's vision for the future were two different things. Maybe this is one of the things Porty was talking about. 
Second one for me. I wanted to share this yesterday, but we had the JD press conference and didn't have a chance to do three things. But we went out to dinner to a Mexican restaurant uh, on Valentine's Day. We both like Mexican food. We hadn't been to this restaurant in a while. And we said, okay. This place is is cool because they will have live music every once in a while, and they they had it here. It was it was not a full on band, but it was two singers, a man and a woman, singing mostly in Spanish. But then they started to go around and request songs from people, and then they would sing the song full volume, like it was as loud as like being at like a crowded bar for just a restaurant. It was like seven o'clock at night, full volume. To the people, they would like serenade the the woman that they had asked what song they want to hear, and the people looked very uncomfortable uh, during it. But I like the performances either way. J Lo was like, uh, "We have to eat quickly." I, I don't I was, want. I was <laughs> just about to ask, did they get to your table before? I, yes, of course. For me, I was like, I don't know. It oh, seems like fun. I <laughs> bet you were looking forward to it. <laughs> they did not get to our table though. Hey, starting on February 26th, the uh, Cinnabon Pull-Apart will be available wherever Wendy's does breakfast. So Wendy's and Cinnabon are teaming up to add a sweet baked good for your morning commute that, I don't know, did anybody ask for this? Uh, this is from the Columbus Dispatch quote, this warm Danish dough is dunked in glaze, then baked with cinnamon, sugar, and brown butter. The item also features Cinnabon's signature cream cheese frosting and is served with a portable cup to reduce mess. Is cinnamon roll the best? breakfast baked good donut donuts are really good too yeah depending on the donut i'd say donut at least your car will smell good though that's true guys uh second thing for me buckeye basketball cbj shoot big here like if you're ohio state basketball act like you're kentucky act like you're carolina let's go big names here and cbj you are a professional franchise (laughs) go big act like it yes what is the saying shoot for the moon you might land amongst the stars yeah there you go last one for me i want to thank spongebob specifically one for all the laughs he's given me over my life but for giving j-lo and i our first chops tv to eclipse 100 likes on tiktok i know that that is probably the most liked video on tiktok of the entire week they never get numbers any larger than that but joking aside it was cool to kind of hit that milestone i've been cutting up clips of chops tv for a few months now putting them on tiktok hoping to get some engagement from people so to see one and i think the spongebob stuff helped but i think i'm also getting better at putting the videos together like what makes tiktok work you're understanding the algorithm yeah better. so if you want to see some of those clips at underscore chops tv on tiktok hey can we stop being miserable people so it was announced taylor swift's donating a hundred thousand uh for the funeral services and to the family uh, of the woman who lost her life in the kansas city super bowl parade shooting so lisa lopez galvin uh, her family had a Kickstarter asking for $75,000 to cover expenses for the funeral. She donated $100,000. And while that might not seem like a lot to Taylor Swift, that's a ton for that family. And so when the the news comes out and you look at the comments, you see people go, it doesn't mean anything to Taylor Swift. No, but that's not the point of this. It's still $100,000. It's a huge <laughs> gesture that will help that family immensely through a very, very tough time. And we just need to stop being miserable about the gesture. We can't judge all charity on based on whether or not it affects the bottom line of somebody's finances. Shut up. 
Good, good on her for that. If right. you're, I mean, go go contribute a dollar then. You know, for you at least do what you can. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, if it's like you, if it's like you giving ten dollars, then do it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, guys, last one, and this is probably for all of us as a show. As we'll be back together on Monday. Yesterday was awesome. First show together. We had breaking news. None today. Let's do better. Let's get breaking news on Monday. Well, so I don't know how familiar you are with the nine to noon time slot, but no news is ever broken during the show. <laughs> and then. This this week happens. We almost, you guys almost got Holtman. You got Yarmo yesterday. Let's do it again While on Monday. Bo is off on vacation. Like, what more could this happen? This has worked out well. I don't know. Maybe something with the Bengals and Browns next week. Let's get them involved in the fun. We will be back, as Baker said, next week. Coming up next, Bids and Matty Ice. A little bit of Rothman and Ice until 3 o'clock. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. During this 10-second promo, Rothman will lose money gambling on something. People like you come here and blow the family nest egg that built this town. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. It's a fan action update. This action update is brought to you by ESPN Bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Tiger Woods finished one over yesterday in the Genesis Invitational round one. He will look to try and make the cut today. He tees off at 254. His over-under on today's round is 70 and a half after carding a 72 yesterday. The leader after round one and now the betting favorite is Patrick Cantlay. For your ESPN Bet action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan Sports Center. Good afternoon. I'm Matt Andrews. Big Ten men's basketball last night. Rutgers Clip Northwestern 63-60. Number two, Purdue. Edge, Minnesota 84-76 in West Lafayette. Purdue comes here to Columbus Sunday at 1 to face Ohio State. Interim Bucket head coach Jake Diebler is set to meet with the media today to discuss the game Sunday versus the Butters. Women's scoring record now belongs to Caitlin Clark. She scored a career-high 49 last night in Iowa program record. Iowa throttled Michigan 106-89. Clark passed Kelsey Plum for the women's career scoring mark at 35-69. Now set sights on Pistol Pete's number of 36-67 for the all-time collegiate scoring mark. This update is sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. If you're snoring and not sleeping, give Mark Levy a call at 1-800-MORE-SLEEP or visit him online at sleepbettercolumbus.com. Breaking sports news when it happens here on The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.